Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So, on today's episode, it's a very special day. We, I have three, two guests in here, one sitting across from me, and that's Landon Baker. How are you doing, buddy? Good. Thank you for having yeah. me again. Yeah, dude. Yeah, you didn't... It went well last time. Yeah, you know, fun. So, um, at least good enough to come back. So. <laughs> <laughs> good enough. Yeah. But then we have uh, Darren. You called, it, called you in. Um, Darren... Okay. So, we were talking about this earlier, too. Darren, how do you say your last name? Is it DeBoer? Yeah, so uh, if you want the traditional Dutch or the American version, it doesn't really matter. But most people say De Boer, like uh, like the hog. So De Boer works works well. Okay, okay. What's the what's the Dutch version? Uh, I, well, I've heard it is De Boer, um, like it would be two long O's. Mm. But uh, most of the world says says Boer. So De Boer works just fine. Um, like I'll respond the, about anything, though. Like the Boer. Yeah. So actually, <laughs> in uh, in Dutch, uh, um, Boer means farmer. So it'd be the farmer. Hmm. That's where that surname came from. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Got and, a little history uh, lesson. Actually, it, yeah. Yeah. Well, we can go down that rabbit hole as far as you want, but uh, <laughs> there's a. Uh, it's, it's actually a fairly common name, kind of in the upper Midwest. There was a lot of Dutch that immigrated to um, you know, Iowa, Minnesota area. In fact, my grandpa, uh, my dad's dad, 
came over right after World War II, immigrated to Northwest Iowa, and so that's where my dad's from. And uh, there's there's some more DeBoers up that way. Nice. That's kind of cool because uh, that's kind of the the history of my family too. That my dad always told me is like, you know, we we immigrated here from Norway, and uh, they just you know came in, I think, from New York. And start making their way across, their way west, and they go, like, oh, "Let's see what happens." And they ended up in Iowa. And like, That's far enough. We can <laughs> Done far- travel. We can farm this land. It's <laughs> fine. And some of my family kept going, and 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 ended up in the Dakotas, I guess. But we just stayed. That's here, where right? their wagon broke down, and they just had to stay there, I guess, huh? Right. Except this was like not that long ago. So the station yeah. wagon broke down. The station wagon. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm. Uh, I think, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I think my my. If I'm not mistaken, my grandparent, my grandma's parents came here straight from Norway. So I guess I'm like a third generation, right? Grandma, nice. dad, me, American. Hell yeah. There you go. History. <laughs> <laughs> Landon, where'd you come from? Uh, grandma's German, definitely on that side. My grandpa, I'm not really 100% sure, but definitely mm-hmm. the Baker name has a hard German descent to it. Okay. I'm assuming you're, you came from a family of bakers. Yeah. Like that was their profession. Uh, no, actually (laughs) (laughs) a big family farm and they own a grocery store for how many generations. The town was founded in 1867 and the store was there at the same time. So who knows how long that store was actually there. And it just went generation, generation. And then times were changing. My dad's like, hey, you want to take this over? I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to do something different. (laughs) I want to climb wind turbines instead. Way better. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that sounds great. There's a a great joke about uh, occupations becoming uh, surnames, if you're uh, into those kinds of things. (laughs) What's that? Let's go. About about the, uh, well, you've got, you know, the the Bakers, right? And you've got the the Coopers and the Smiths and... uh, and the unfortunate folks that were the uh, dung shovelers. So, you know, <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Dung Shoveler that lived down the street. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so you ended up with a pretty good one, Baker. You know, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. 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 I could deal with making bread and shit like that. Oh, yeah. So Norwegians didn't do that. We didn't go by professions there. I guess it was like um, someone's name was John, hmm. and they were John's son. Mm-hmm. So then Johnson. American, oh. Americanized. Same with. Swenson, it was Sven's son, would be his son. The last name would be so. Let's say Sven, whatever Norwegian other name is, Oli's son. So it'd be Sven Oli's son. Then Sven has a kid, and his boy would be named. We'll name him. I don't know Bjorn Svensson. So since hmm. he his dad's name was Sven, it'd yep. be Sven's son. Then they came in. Then he came in America, and they're like, "Oh, what's your name?" Like Svensson. They go Swen- Swenson. And there's your last name. There's your last name, buddy. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> there you go. Yep. So that's yeah, good history lesson nice. there. But uh, so we came here yeah. to talk shooting. Um, Darren, give us a little more yeah. backstory on that. So you're a you're a competitive shooter for Bergara, correct? Yeah, I am. So I'm uh, one of the dozen or so members of the Bergara factory competition team, also with Athlon Optics, Um, all in the uh, PRS or NRL game. Uh, I actually shoot probably 95% rimfire matches, uh, NRL, NRL 
uh, 22X, some PRS rimfire matches, um, but also dabble a little bit in the centerfire stuff. So it's uh, it really just kind of started getting serious into it, and I don't know. Well, 2021 was when the Bergara team was formed, and I'd been doing it seriously for a year, year and a half or so before that. So kind of a, a late adopter of the competitive shooting world. So um, it's it's been a lot of fun and made just a ton of connections doing it. It's a fantastic community. That's awesome. Um, so I guess I, I did a – so you sent me like a little care package before uh, you came on. Yeah. And there was a Bergara magazine, and I was flipping through that, and I did end up reading like, your little bio in there. And I didn't realize this before, like when we were chit-chatting over Instagram and shit, that, uh, yeah, so you're a 22 guy. Yeah, so that's, um, so backing up, well, I guess I don't know how deep you want to get into, we already started in the history, right? So we'll yeah. go back a little further. Take your back. Um, like I didn't have any, there you go. I didn't have any, um, you know, growing up, no ties to competitive shooting at all. I mean, grew up in the country on a farm and we had, dad had guns and we, you know, every once in a while tried to shoot at a deer or something and brothers and I blinked at rabbits and all that. So I was always really into guns, but never had any opportunity to get into competition or I don't know, maybe even any desire at that point. But um, going to college, actually I was in grad school and got paired up with a, shared an office with a fellow that, uh, Nick was his name, and well, I guess it's still his name. Super <laughs> awesome dude, uh, Marine, and uh, he was hardcore into competitive shooting, um, small bore, three position, and service rifle. And he actually did that for the Marine Corps Reserve team. He uh, traveled around shooting service rifle competitions and then helped uh, put on the um, marksmanship unit instructor classes. I'm sure I'm getting the names wrong, all that, but, you know. He, he was hardcore into it, and yeah, there we go. Uh, my understanding, they uh, instructed, one of their side jobs was instructing the instructors that would teach marksmanship. So they teach people how to teach people how to shoot. So, um, you know, kind of in, you know, avoiding trying to get our theses written and all that, and he kind of drug me into some competition shooting. It was all way above my head, but man, it's a ton of fun. And I didn't have the gear or anything, but he did. So that was awesome. <laughs> Did a little bit of that. And then, you know, we graduated, got jobs, uh, had kids, no money, no time. You guys are familiar with all that. Oh, yeah. Yep. And so I was, you know, lucky to take a week or whatever and do a little deer hunting now and then, but never really thought about the competition side of things until one day just out of the blue um, – Nick called me up again and he said, Hey, there's this new series that's going to start up here at the, one of the ranges here by Kansas city where I live and it's NRL 22 national rifle league 22 matches. Like we should do this. I'm like, all right, I don't know anything about it, but let's do it. So I went and I bought a cheap used rifle and a, a scope that was on sale and and we were all fired up to do this. And then he moved to Ohio, like, instantly the next week I'm like well dang it no. nick what, what am i gonna do now so <laughs> i remind him of this all the time it's like hey this was your idea but i invested in it so i'm gonna do it anyhow and so i just went out yeah showed up the match and shot it and man it was just the best thing ever and 
uh, you know, I think you've kind of talked about it before, like, you know, growing up with guns or whatever, and you know, kind of look at the targets like, ah, this is going to be easy. I got this. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You can uh, <laughs> get a little high on yourself pretty quick. And, but it, it bit me good because at this point in my life, I had, you know, a little bit more time. The kids are a little older and uh, work was, wasn't quite as demanding as it had been. And it's like, man, I'm going to get into this. And so I, I did. And the, and the, 22 stuff was just awesome. It's a great, great community. Mm-hmm. Well, so stuck thing, it out with that. And yeah. yeah, the thing is too, like you were saying, it's a lot easy. It's pretty, I shouldn't say it's easy, but it's one thing to be a really good shot in the backyard. It's a whole other thing to be a really good yeah. shot when you're, you know, in a on the clock, yeah. on the clock. And yeah. you have someone, yeah, you guys know better. I've never shot yeah. competitively like that, but yeah, having someone sitting back yelling times and shit. And, and then you can hear people whispering like, how the hell did he just miss that? Yeah. <laughs> what a fucking idiot. Yeah. That's usually me just screaming that to myself. Like, uh, Ew. no, that's, that's actually an awesome point. And that's something I, I kind of, you know, bring up to people that, and I, I never really know how familiar with, uh, you know, PRS or NRL style shooting people are. And so, you know, it's people, I tell people, Oh, I, you know, I shoot long range competitively and they think, Oh, okay. You know, you like at a bench and you shoot at paper targets at, you know, hundred yards or well, <laughs> uh, that's, you know, that's one, uh, one format, I suppose, but this is, this is kind of how I explain it to people. Right. Like, so let's, let's say, okay, simplest form, right. Let's, set at a bench and we're going to put one steel target out at 100 yards or whatever and we're going to shoot it 10 times yeah that's pretty easy right well let's say okay now we have let's kick it up a notch let's put two targets out there but at diff- different distances so let's now we're going to alternate between shooting like the near one and the far one the near one the far one and okay you know i got got that let's kick it up some more let's make a giant rock pile and all of a sudden we're going to be standing behind it and we're going to have our gun loaded and then we're going to go up and select a rock and we're going to set our gun up on top there and build a position and then we're going to shoot each target one time near far and then we're going to move to another rock and do it near far near far we're going to do this five times oh and you get 90 seconds to do it (laughs) and all of a sudden people go "Ah, yeah okay so, that, you know, the targets are generally big and they're easy to hit, but you throw all the rest of that in there and all of a sudden it's your brain can't handle it all. And, right. Is that kind of the same with uh, the, the shit you do? Oh, 100%. 100%. It's, okay. it's mostly barricades and then it's all like a, kind of a mind game too. Like I said, you know, you have to do five different positions. There might be five different targets. You might shoot near to far out, but then you got to shoot far, far to near in or they alternate. I mean, it's. You definitely have to look at the course of fire, understand yeah. it, and then make that a, a mental note because I've seen so many people shoot out of order, and it's a mess. No shit. Yep. No. Yep. Damn. So I'm, I'm going to start. Yeah, and it, it's oh, – Go ahead, Darren. No, go ahead. Okay, I was going <laughs> to say, gonna say it's the, and generally it's, it's not like a difficult shot. Like if you had all the time in the world to set it up and make that shot, not, almost mm-hmm. everybody can hit the targets. Yeah. But you throw in movement and you throw in time constraints – and you throw in different orders of engagement, and all of a sudden your brain, um, your brain can forget it pretty quick. So it's oh yeah, it's a, a lot of mental work. Yeah, cause this summer my brother and I we decided that we're going to start doing uh, USPSA competitions. For one, uh, yeah. I really want to do some rifle competitions like down the road. It's just one of those things where it's like, man, 
that shit gets expensive. But <laughs> it, it it's, does. It's expensive sure. to get into. Once you get into it, and you know, it's it's a it's a blast, and you're you know everything you do. I'll get into this later. But anyways, so my brother and I were going to start at in USPSA. We're going to start doing those this year. We found some matches, you know, within a few hours of our house. We're going to start doing that this year, and that'd be a that'd be a blast. But it's one of those things where I was watching a bunch of USPSA competition videos, and man, sometimes I'm watching them run the course. I'm just like, Phew. that's the hardest part. And my to get <laughs> to get over in my mind is the the course the course layout, like the order, you know, that you're supposed to be shooting these targets in and stuff. It's like for me personally, that would that's going to be probably the hardest hurdle. But the making the shot part is honestly probably going to be not so bad, but doing it fast under time constraints and remembering what targets you need to shoot first and all this other shit. And then also, yeah, like you said, you are on time crunch and that all gets factored in the end for score. So the mental aspect is more than the physical actually making the shot. It's a hundred percent. Oh yeah. Yep. Kind of like, I guess with anything competitively, you know, you fuck you you do it good when you're when you have all the time in the world to set up for it, and you know you're you're well rested and everything else. But then once you start getting going, your your heart starts racing. Yeah, shit gets a little bit sketch. I guess you get into your own <laughs> head real quick. Yeah, yeah. And with with all, I mean, I think this maybe applies to all disciplines, and would be kind of the one of the few pieces of advice that I would have for anybody is that um, just ignore the time. Because no matter how fast you do it, if you're missing or you're out of order or even worse, if you're unsafe, um, nothing matters. If you, none of time doesn't matter if any of those things happen. Right. Right. So go slow, do it right. Do it safe. Time cut. The way you get fast is by doing it. Yep. So that's one thing they always told us in the army too. Um, we had this little motto whenever we're training, you know, Slow is smooth, smooth is fast. Yeah. So you start out slow. Once you get yep. smooth and slow, then the speed comes along with it. Is basically what that saying is supposed to mean. Yeah. You know, don't or, try to be fast right out the gate. You'll know. get sloppy. Yep. Yep. And same with like I guess crawl, walk, yeah. crawl, walk, run kind of deal where you you know you're starting your crawling stages. And you need to figure out how to crawl before you can walk. You need to figure out how to walk before you can run. And you know that all, there's a whole shit ton of different little sayings and stuff. But that that also obviously comes into yeah. effect pretty good when you're talking shoot competitively the one i always have to the, my spin on it uh, is that i can't miss fast enough to win oh there you go so that's true doesn't matter how mm-hmm. doesn't matter how fast uh i'm getting cranking rounds off if they're not scoring points doesn't matter yeah and that's one thing i noticed with uspsa is you have these targets and you have your a zone your b zone your c zone your d zone and your, you have these zones right Obviously, you want A zone mm-hmm. hits, which is in the very core of the target, mm-hmm. and another A zone in the head. So you want A zone hits, and if you're hitting, if you go out there and you're running the course super fucking fast, but you're getting all D zones, you're not gonna you're not gonna score the shit. You're gonna lose. Yeah, just because you're nicking the plate. Because yeah, exactly. Because you're going too fast. Yeah. If you slow it down, and actually you can run the course slower than a lot of people, but still beat them because of your precision. Yep. Is that kind of the same way with PRS, like the twenty-two shooting and the center fire stuff that you do, Landon? Where certain stages definitely are because they might have occasionally, like they'll have a tiebreaker stage, and that's where it definitely comes down to. You know, some people are like, "Oh crap, tiebreaker could be the fastest one out here," but if you got you know six out of ten points, it's not worth shit. 
Now, if you got nine points, you know, you kept the accuracy of it. It does come down to time, but that's who ends up winning it. It's not the fastest. It's always people are in the middle of the pack that kept their accuracy. Mm, gotcha. Is that kind of the same with you, Yeah, the, the time tiebreakers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so I guess one of the differences is um, that in in PRS-style stuff, uh, a hit is a hit. I mean, if you make an impact on the target, it doesn't matter where. That's a hit. That scores a, okay. a point. Yep. So it's, or it's, all, points. However, it's all steel? However, it's all steel. Okay. Yep. Yep. And there will be, like Landon said, uh, usually there is a, a timed tiebreaker where you will shoot that sequence, but they keep time. And that time is just if somebody has you know, two people have the exact number of hits, it's the time difference in there. But it's always weighted that if you miss because you're hurrying, High break that time stage means nothing now. Yeah, yeah. Because so, I've seen people you, take you the have in, to make impacts. They mm-hmm. took the entire time and made you know one more impact on it, and that kept them out of even going against a time break tiebreaker because they had one more impact on the whole yep. shoot. So oh. they didn't even have to go back and and measure that. So I got gotcha. you. You get pretty much two chances at that one stage if it comes down to a tie. So mm-hmm. have you guys ever watched that show Top Shot? Yeah, yeah. You ever seen that, Darren? I have seen a few of them. I will admit I am uh, not a big consumer of shooting media because um, a lot of it is like I can't handle the drama and the hype of it. And I see so oh, many yeah. things like, ah, boy, that's uh, that's kind of doctored up for the show. So, Well, yeah. the show Top Shot is but, actually it's like Big Brother with guns. It is. So it's you yeah. definitely have that drama aspect. It's a reality show quote-unquote reality show yeah there's no anyways um but that show was kind of cool because it 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 holds that even that show held true to what you guys were just saying where a lot of those competitions that are they were doing on the show uh one guy might be super fucking fast Hmm. and rip out a bunch of rounds but he wasn't as accurate like it came to different guns being versatile and all this other stuff so it's the same kind of thing where you guys are saying in these PRS competitions, it's like, you know, it's called, okay, so it stands for Precision Rifle Series. Series. Yep. So the first word in that is precision. So yep. you got to make sure you're accurate above yep. all else, correct? Like that's the number one thing. Yeah, anybody can go out there and crank rounds downrange fast. Yeah. Like, that's not hard. Exactly. That's like, that's like Instagram I call coaches. Three gun. You call <laughs> it three gun? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I call them Instagram coaches or Instagram shooters where they, go out there and they show themselves just shooting and like really really fast and they're like oh yeah i'm so good <laughs> look at this he's like okay show your hits yeah 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 or they're, or they're shooting a car yeah, hood you, i mean that's well, massive you yeah. can't miss or they're shooting steel and they're not showing the steel target but the steel target's like yeah like a fucking car hood yeah yeah i'm so good like yeah but you're shooting a fucking car hood buddy yeah 50 <laughs> yards like. yeah. no there's you know like seeping yards yeah. well, well let's keep it out of frame yeah <laughs> It's kind of interesting because obviously you want hits, right? Because the hits score points, but almost, I'd argue, just as equal a skill is being able to spot your own misses and correct for those. Um, Landon, I'm sure you've experienced this too, but you know, if you're if you're not squared up on your rifle, not managing, not watching through the scope and you miss and you have no idea where it goes that's like the worst feeling ever like, yeah that's well a, i missed it's a blind i don't miss. even know what to do now <laughs> yep yeah I'm... it's do i just keep 
keep fire in my same my same hold, or do I correct, or what do I do? And so, knowing how and where you miss, that's a that's a, a big skill part of it too. Mm -hmm. That was a habit that I had too. Is first starting out, I think it was 2017. I told you it was when I first mm -hmm. started like doing the one day matches and the PR yep. style stuff, and I would shoot and. I didn't know how to hold the gun on a barricade, and honestly, it's funny enough. I started out with a Bagara B14 HMR in a 6.5 Creedmoor. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I had an Athlon uh, Helios BTO scope, <laughs> BTR, <laughs> and uh, not a big fan of that scope now. There's better ones out there, but still a fan of Athlon. Yeah, I'm still shooting scope. Athlon now. Into it, though, didn't. Yeah, I'm still. There I have go. a Cronus and a Aries ETR right now that I absolutely love both of them. Nice. But, uh, yeah, the first one's like, bang, and it's a recoil or just how you held it. You're like, hmm, why didn't you call him, you know, a hit? That's weird. I'll shoot again. <laughs> yeah. Bang, nothing. I'm like, that's weird. And I caught myself, like, holding in the same spot and not doing anything. Or it's like, I don't know where it went, so I'll just hold it to the right, nothing, hold it to the left. And you're just out there yeah. wasting absolutely <laughs> tons of ammo. <laughs> wasting ammo and time. Lots to learn. If If you yeah. can't see the miss, you're not doing any good. Right. And that's probably yeah. the benefit of shooting 22s, I guess, too, huh? There's, like, no recoil on them bitches. Yeah, so that's um, – so there is some of that, right? So you can get a little sloppy with your recoil management and building oh, right. positions sometimes. Um, particularly, you get it – you know, these PRS guns are all weighted – my ridiculous 22 is 19 and a half pounds. <laughs> so, Jesus. You know, it's not moving. <laughs> no. But the – problem with 22s are they it's such a small bullet they don't put up a lot of uh dust if you if there's a berm behind it sometimes you can see where your misses go oh. if it's a target hanging out in the grass you don't see anything unless you see the trace of your bullet and you're just out of luck that's true that's so. a very valid point so because you when you're doing prs it's only by you're by yourself you don't have a spotter right? yeah there's no assistance okay yeah so that make that make it tough yeah yeah. That's probably why everyone's but, shooting yeah, fucking um, 6.5 Creedmoor and stuff, too, because when you have a... Because your gun, you said it was uh, like 20... Six millimeters. Yeah, six yeah. millimeters. Because you said your gun was like 20-something pounds? Yeah, I'm just over 20, 21 pounds. I'm shooting a 6 Creedmoor right now, and that's even oh, kind of like six. a big round, because a lot of guys are shooting like 6BR, 6GT, which is same bullet, yeah. you know, essentially, but they're running less powder. Oh, gotcha. So... When that when that, that fucker goes, it probably feels like a twenty two. Oh, hundred percent. The guns yeah. are shooting their heavy ass guns, and it's just like a snap. But I kind of like to have a little more powder. I'll take a little recoil to beat the wind because yep. I'm not the greatest at wind calls. <laughs> Dude, we were, we were talking about that last time too. Wind calls are tough. Like you're, yeah. it's, it shouldn't even be called. Yeah, it shouldn't even be called a wind call. It should be called a wind guess because that's 100%. what you're doing. Yeah, you know, if you're good at wind calling, you're just really good at guessing. And Kentucky windage that bitch be like, okay, if, from my perspective, it feels like approximately this mm -hmm. so i'll shoot it for that because that's what i know you can only shoot off what you know but you don't really know downrange so that everything downrange is a guess you're going off yeah. of, i'm assuming when you're calling your wind you're going off like mirages or mirage and flags, flags trees and, weeds yep. anything but then anything that catches the wind you look out there you know you'll see a thousand yards and it's into a grove of trees and you can see the leaves falling straight down but up there you you got your kestrel and three and 20 miles an hour it's what do you call? <laughs> yeah, right, right. How do you, far do off you just old? split it or, you know, take a third? It, it's tough. Yeah. That's yep. where experience kicks in. Yep, exactly. Exactly. And that's probably the thing with 22s. So how far are you shooting these 22s, Darren? Um, 
so yeah so back just a second here um wind, wind will absolutely make or break your day with the 22s and the guys that are winning they are just wind wizards that's something that really struggles with i struggle with um as far as distances uh depends on the the match and how it's set up um if you're looking at so nrl 22 matches are almost always 200 yards and in but match directors have creativity to do whatever they want so the furthest i've ever shot in a match was 505 yard 510 yards with a 22 so which bitch. is just absurd a, a 22 long <laughs> rifle yeah yeah oh. yep holy yep. fuck you can catch you it and stop it yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay real quick side you want to talk numbers on that <laughs> yeah actually that's um, what's your elevation <laughs> yeah Let's do that real quick. So yeah, so Athlon, Athlon every year uh, or for the past two years has put on a 22 ELR match down here by us, and um, so we have targets out to 500, 500 yards. Um, at so with my rifle, um, standard velocity ammo, so we're running a, a 10.87 foot per second, something like that. Um, my dope for 500 yards is. About 31 mils. I don't. Do you guys speak mils or MOA? I'm mils or something different. Yeah, I, I, I understand. Uh, so, all right. So, uh, 31 mil uh, for like a six millimeter. You're like 2.2 mils yeah. at 500 yards. Yeah. Um, convert that over <laughs> yeah. to yeah. Convert that over to something that actually means something for people. Um, at 500 yards, 31 mils is about 43 feet of elevation. Dude, that's fucking. So you insane. are aiming 43. Feet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so it gets pretty hairy uh, because, for one, if you have, I mean, your ammo, um, rimfire ammo, you, the good stuff is consistent, but even just a couple of feet per second deviation, you're way off there. Throw in some wind, ah, who knows where it's going, but. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. That's so, insane. Are you running like a forty MOA scope base on that, or? <laughs> um, so currently I've got a, a thirty MOA. Uh, thirty is pretty standard for the rimfire world. That'll get your most of your scopes kind of down in the lower third or co- lower quarter of their elevation travel, and you have quite a bit left to dial up. So, um, with my Cronus and a thirty. Mil or a thirty-minute base, I can dial to four hundred, and then I have to hold for the rest. So I'm going to switch that up a little bit and try to get like fifty, fifty MOA combined between the base and the the mount. But yeah, because anyway, it's uh, explain that yeah, real quick. It's fun. So back to your yeah. Oh yeah. Real, real um, quick before we so, gloss over that, explain what you're exactly yeah. try to paint the picture of what you're talking about with. The, mil- the bases and what yep. you guys are exactly talking about. Yep. I, I know what you're talking about, but I don't know so, if everyone listening okay. does. Yep. So um, real general terms here. So the on the top of your rifle above the receiver, you have a scope base of some sort. Uh, it's usually a Picatinny rail or something. That's what your scope rings screw onto. Those can come in a different varieties of ant. So an angle built into them, and it's usually measured in minute of angle because we're talking angles here, right? So a zero minute of angle base means there is zero 
cant built into that base. The top of that base is parallel with the bore of your rifle. Mm -hmm. If you start adding some angle to that, so 10, 20, 30 MOA, you're now tilting the back of the base up a little bit. So now that when you point your scope, you mount your scope on top of there, it's kind of in its natural position pointing down a little bit, down toward the, the barrel. Mm -hmm. What that does is makes it so you can use more of the elevation travel in your scope. So you can, now your zero point is going to be kind of down toward the bottom of the elevation travel, and you have more room to dial up as you go out. Yeah. That makes sense. Great job. I couldn't have done that. Yeah. I couldn't yep. have painted so you, like that. So. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent explanation. Yeah. That's a great explanation. Well, it, 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 it's one of those things, like, you talk about uh, new shooters getting into stuff, and I was listening, I can't remember which one of the podcasts I was just listening to. It's like, you as a new shooter, you don't you don't know anything, right? So you're consuming all the media, and you're throwing in all these new terms like 30 MOA base and you know elevation. How much elevation travel you have in your scope? And it's like, man, I don't even have any idea what they're talking about. So See, that's the number know, one. Deal with thing. it long enough and understand it. That's yeah. the, num the number one thing about getting get, getting into shooting, especially. Okay. Yeah. Getting into hunting, getting into shooting, getting into archery, getting into anything like this that's new to you, mm. it's fucking, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of shit out there. Well, Luckily, we live in the information, the digital information age where yeah. you can get a lot of this inf information off of YouTube. But I'll tell you right now, if I knew nothing about shooting and I just turned on like, oh yeah, okay, this, this looks cool. I'm going to turn on this informational <laughs> YouTube video of a PRS shooter and they're talking all this stuff. I'm like... That's Chinese. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. So I'm going to turn it off. Yeah. So that's one thing with this podcast. I like to try to really explain it. Explain it like you're, yeah. explain, explain it to me like I'm five kind of yeah. thing, you know? No, it's yeah. good because it keeps people encouraged because well, if you just completely don't understand it, it's like, well, lost interest. Yeah. Fuck this. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to suck. So I'm out. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And heaven forbid a new guy ask a question like that on a Facebook group. Oh, no, God. no matter what it is, they're getting drugged through the mud. Yep. Like, come on, people. We are have all been there. Be kind, answer the guy's question, help him out. Because what are we doing? I mean, we're making fun of the new guy because he doesn't know what we're talking about. Is he going to be inclined to join the sport? Do you know whatever it is? No, because we were all a bunch of jerks to him. So yeah. be nice to people. Good. Enough. Absolutely. The only time I'm a dick to someone is if they're a dick first. Yeah. <laughs> you know, obviously that let them draw first, but then say, like, okay, dude, I, you know, you had your chance. Yeah. You fucked it up. There's, there's a lot just, of yeah. keyboard warriors well, out there yeah. nowadays. There's this one kid. Yeah, and if they're your friends, then it's yeah, yeah. free lights, free range. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so there's this one kid on some... I'm, he came around on one of the working class bow hunter um, uh, pages, and he's just being a huge asshole. And everyone's going like, oh yeah, you're a fucking douchebag. Like, stop talking shit. Like... Honestly, okay, I guess it'd be mild, in my opinion, is mild online bullying. Mm -hmm. But this kid jumped in the horn's nest. is like, fuck you guys kind of thing. So it's like, <laughs> what do you expect to do? If you punch a horn's nest, you're going to get stung. Yeah. 100%. You know, kind of thing. So then I, I looked at him like, oh, my God, this kid, this he looks like a kid, like a teenage kid. I'm like, damn, dude, that is dumb. That is a real dumb thing for you to do. Hopefully you learn something. But <laughs> Yeah. But anyways, yeah, like you said, though. A little bit of humility uh, yeah. helps both ways. 
like you said, though, if someone goes in there and asks an honest question, even if it's a quote unquote dumb question, like if they're being honest about it, then yeah, like you said, be kind to them, answer the question. Don't be a dick. Let's try to grow the sport. Like, you know, um, Darren, I know you're a bow hunter. I'm a bow hunter. Landon's not. Yeah. But same thing with shooting and getting into shooting sports and getting into hunting and all this other stuff. Like you need to, like you said, you need to be kind to the people that are trying to learn things because that's the only way this keeps going. Yeah. Cause guess what? Yep. Guns are constantly under attack from people that don't like guns. Yep. And they don't okay. understand them. It's constantly under attack. Hunting is under attack by anti hunters. There's all these organizations that are always out to take your rights away from you. Mm-hmm. And the only way you keep these rights, the only way you keep this thing going is if you bring people in. Yeah. And bring come together. In. Don't, don't shame yeah. them for exactly. not knowing. Exactly. Exactly. And that's one of the things I love about, uh, particularly the rimfire competition side of things. And like you said, if somebody comes to this as a, you know, out of a point of ignorance, you know, maybe they're not super into guns. Maybe they're not super into hunting, but if their first exposure to guns or hunting is somebody just being a jerk to them, ah, that kind of cements their stereotypes, right? And they may not even know anything about it except, well, somebody that was into guns was a huge jerk. And like, well, yep. And they tell their friends that opportunity that affects more than one person. Absolutely. And the thing is too, like, um, the 22 thing that you're doing, Darren is perfect because it's like, what was your first gun landing? Yeah. My first gun. Yeah. 22. Yeah. Mine too. I had my like first two gun or was three a, of them. Yeah. It was, yep. uh, is of is a little Remington 22. Mm-hmm. I was actually just bought my daughter a 22 for her 10th birthday. So it's one of my like, favorite things to shoot. It's shoots. cheap. It's fun. You can sit mm-hmm. there and shoot it all day for 20 bucks. Yeah. And you, and you can kill shit with it. Yeah. You want to go um, hunt a squirrel yeah. or hunt rabbits or hunt birds, like yeah. little birds. It's like, you can actually go out and start hunting. You can start shooting and actually having fun with it. Like BB guns are fun. They're yeah. fun to start out with, but let's face it. They're not as cool as, you know, bang. And then you see yeah. a piece of glass fucking they don't... blow up. You know, it's I like, a... oh shit, that's neat. I had a wicked <laughs> pellet gun when I was a kid, but it's like, it's really dangerous for if you shot your friend, it's definitely going in them, but it really didn't kill <laughs> shit. So it's like, yeah. why not just have a 22, you know, cause it was still dangerous as hell, but it didn't. Well, kill and, a sparrow. Yeah, and I I see a lot of people they get a BB gun for their kids and like here you go here's a BB gun. They don't teach them any safety with it. No, they don't, that's they don't the problem. Treat, they don't treat it like a real gun. They treat a BB gun as a toy. Yep. And then these kids grow up and they get a real gun mm-hmm. and they're like, yeah, it's just a twenty-two. It's like motherfucker, that'll kill someone. Yeah. Grand Thumb. Yep. Um, so, I talked to him about about him before. He has a YouTube channel. He's fucking huge. But he did a, a video on twenty-two. Like, how far out is a twenty-two? Lethal. Lethal. And that was actually a pretty fucking funny video. But 22 is lethal out to a very long range. 100%. And actually, getting back to the BB guns, the air gun stuff, the air guns are just blowing up yeah. huge now. There have been uh-huh. a big deal in uh, Europe and Africa and uh, Asia for a long time. But, man, you look into some of the big bore air gun stuff, it's getting pretty serious. There's yeah. People knocking down deer and bigger animals with you know 50 cal air guns like yep it's like shooting them with a slug gun yeah yeah i was i was watching the sportsman's channel at work because we've been a little bit slow for the winter but (laughs) there's this um show called air gunner on there and he is kind of a tool but he was he went out and he hunted like an elk with a fucking air gun i'm like all right that's pretty cool but then i started thinking after watching that show i'm like dude fuck air guns do you know why why i say fuck air guns because i feel like they 
don't okay. This guy specifically, Air Gunner. That's not, I'm not. I'm not targeting anyone. I'm just saying, as a whole, this is my conspiracy mindset coming out. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they 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 pass an assault weapons ban. No more assault weapons. Okay, that wasn't good enough. They end up banning guns. Now all you have is an air gun. Yep. So they're starting it. See, that's it why like, Europe has all those. That's why Europe because those, the gun laws. It's not a real gun. Yeah. It's an air gun. Yep. It's not fucking lethal. It's an air gun, dude. It's just. It's like not a big deal. Yep. So that's why Europe has them, and mm-hmm. it's why it's so big over there because they already took all their guns away. So I'm very anti-air gun right right now. I could probably be swayed. This is my ignorant mm-hmm. mind talking, but I'm anti-air gun right now because um, I feel like that's where it's going. That's just me though. Yeah. Until we, you know, Elon yeah, brings out everybody's real gun. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There you go. Uh, to me, it's almost like the same as the crossbow versus you know compound versus traditional whatever like as long as people are out shooting ah i i don't care it's a it's a different niche and it gets people involved and but i can kind of see that my wacky part of my brain kind of sees where you're coming from there jacob but yeah i don't know it's to me it's it's uh it's another one of those things that would get a new demographic of people involved in the sport and to be honest, that's what we've got to do, whether it's hunting or competitive shooting or whatever. We've got to get kids and women and uh, minorities, whatever, everybody involved in it. Because if it stays middle-aged white dudes doing it, it's going to die pretty quick. Oh, yeah, for sure. Next two decades, it'll be done. Yeah, no, absolutely. The biggest thing, um, in my opinion, is trying to change the mindset of people that live in the city. Because mm-hmm. that's where all this yep. stuff comes from. This, um, the, the, the ignorance towards guns, the ignorance towards hunting, it all comes from people that live in a city. All they see is death. Yes. All they see is death and danger. And when, when people in a city, when they see a gun, it's usually because it's being pointed at them and saying, give me your fucking money or give me your car or whatever else. Or when they watch the news, it's this person, a person getting shot by a gun or a bunch of people getting shot by a gun. But when you live in a, a rural area, when we grew up with guns, yeah. we see guns as a tool and, in in, you know, it's like we just look at guns completely different. Mm-hmm. We have respect for them. We know we grew up with them. We get it. And we're not afraid of them because we know how to use them. And when we're seeing them being used, it's in a positive aspect. Yeah. You know, whether it's a competition yeah. or hunting, yeah. it's how you accrue food or whatever you want to do with it. It's always... It's seen, it's seen in a positive aspect in rural areas, not necessarily in city, you know, domains. They're seen as a negative. So, I think most people in the city aspect, and they just, they've never shot a gun. Maybe yeah. invite them out to the range. Say, hey, you yep. want to come out and shoot? Yep. Mm-hmm. And one of the best things, from my perspective, is invite them to a match. Yeah. And this is one of the reasons I really love the rimfire stuff is because it's not loud. It's not obnoxious. Um, it's not super intimidating, but bring them to a match because what is the very first thing of the day before anything starts landing that happens at a match? Well, they, you have a safety brief. They have a safety and brief. You drill and then, into people. Yep. Because yep. everyone I've done, they, they drill they into say, people. This is how we're doing it. Yeah, they go. Who's CPR certified? We have first aid kits. Is anybody you know, EMT? And they point them all out. A lot of time they'll give them like a, a ribbon or something to tie around you if you want it. To say, hey, oh, if just... something happens, you come to this person, you know, mm-hmm. it's very safe. And they yep. go through, too. It's like, 
depending on the match of the uh, the director and stuff, if you make a like a skyload or something, you might get one free shot at it. Other than that, you're DQ'd. You're done. They don't put up with unsafe acts on the range. Nor should you. You shouldn't. You know, you yep. shouldn't. There's a, when I was in basic training. There's a you know when we go out the range, it's the same thing in the army. You know, you get your range safety brief and all this other shit. Uh, obviously, it's probably not set as nicely as in a competition set. But uh, there was one time when we were doing reflexive fire. And reflexive fire is when you are so you're essentially standing in a line facing each other with your weapon at the low ready, you know, pointing towards the ground and you're, you know, I'm right now I'm facing, I'm looking at Landon's back and Landon is looking at the other guy's back the same way. You know, we're in a line staring at each other's backs. Right. And then they say, you know, I can't remember what they said. Anyway, there's a target targets that popped up. You'd swivel, raise your gun, shoot, lower the gun, come back. Right, mm-hmm. so this reflexifier is like you know, there's a threat to your side. You spin on it, shoot it, and then come back, and then you, you do it faster and faster and faster. Anyways, there's this kid behind me, and they said they said like drill sergeants were like, "This is my favorite time of the cycle when we go out the range because one of you <laughs> motherfuckers do something wrong, we get to finally put hands <laughs> on you." So it was one of those things like, okay, yeah, they, you don't really know if they're telling the truth or not. Yep. But anyways, one kid fucking kept his gun raised. And he fucking pointed at my back and then put it down. And I didn't know it because yeah, I turned was away. turned away from him. And the drill sergeant saw it. And all I heard was, motherfucker. And he took off sprinting and he tackled this kid, took his gun away from him, and fucking drug him off the range. <laughs> but I was like, damn. Yeah. Yeah. But they won't do that at a PRS match. They'll just kick you out. No. Yeah. It'll just be like just DQ. You know, yeah, they might do done. a stage DQ or depending on the severity of it or if you're a repeat offender. It's, it's pretty strict, you know. Yeah. But you should know. Yep, that's the thing. You should know the safety before you go in. And if you don't know it, then you should probably shouldn't be competing yet. Well, go and watch. They'll always ask for a new yet. shooter. Like, hey, who's new here at every match I've ever been to? And if you are new, they stick a very veteran or pro guy with you to, uh, to aid oh, you through the whole match. That's awesome. Yep. That's really cool. Hey, Landon, you used the term skyloading there. Um, Jacob, do you know, have you heard that before? You Everybody know what skyloading means? I actually have That's a big one. Like, to me, like, skyloading, if you are not looking through your scope on the exact target and you close that bolt, you skyloaded. So even oh, if even yep. if you're downrange yeah, so- on a barricade, but you're, like, talking to your buddy, looking over, or it's very obvious that you're not on the berm that you're supposed to be, and you close that bolt, that's a skyload. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the idea behind it is, is, so, unless you, so... The, the safety mechanism during a PRS match is that your bolt is open at all times when you are moving um, or acquiring targets until you have that target in your sight and you're ready to take a shot. Then you can close the bolt and fire. And the idea being that um, if you were to have a negligent discharge at that point, at least it is pointed at a berm or a safe location. You're not smoking one off into the sky somewhere. So Mm -hmm. you keep that bolt open until you are on target. So that, that is a very, uh, you talked about Landon mentioned new shooters. That's a real hard one to get put into some new shooters is that I know you're in a hurry and I know when you want to get this shot off, but you keep that bolt open until you see that target through your scope. Then you can close it. I see a lot of them too that, you know, if you're moving positional between rocks or, or barrels or whatever, 
they'll fire that shot, the last shot at that barrel, and then they just get up and move without opening the bolt and ejecting the, the dead yeah. cartridge. And they just, uh, they're like, well, it's empty. But everybody else doesn't know that. Right. Yeah. Yep. So yep. They try to break that habit right from the guy, get-go. Mm-hmm. Yep. The guy 20 foot away can't tell with your bolt closed if you have a live round in the chamber or if it's been fired. So yep. that bolt stays open. And I've even seen, like, pro shooters that are in it kind of for the money and they're shooting for a team. <laughs> They've gone down and they've closed the bolt and they fired one off and they're like, nope. They stand up, they drop the mag, clear the chamber, and they're like negligent discharge. They're done. They'll walk off themselves. Oh, so like those DQ yeah. themselves? They like, DQ I know themselves. what I did. Yep, because I'm being honest. Pretty here. typically, if somebody's behind you and they're all like shooting for sport, they'll probably call each other out. But they're like, nope, that was uh, you know, I popped the trigger, didn't mean to. They'll they'll pull themselves out. No oh, shit. Yep. Well, that's good. It's pretty disciplined. Yeah, it's and... very disciplined. Yep. And that is a not only a humble thing to do, the right and humble thing to do, but it is also an expensive thing to do. Because if it's a <laughs> yep. two-day match, they've sunk three figures into getting there to that point, and they just now pulled themselves out because yep. it was the right thing to do. 100%. But, you know, I'm glad you guys say negligent discharge. as a conversation I had um, with a couple different people before. Um, is that like a... Com- competitive like a competition thing do they always call it negligent discharge or they call them accidental discharges negligent what i've heard there is both so if you look at um i would have to look at prs rules but nrl rules there are both and there's specific definitions for both Uh, a negligent discharge means you screwed up and you sent around when you weren't supposed to Mm -hmm. and that means you are done you are packed up you are out. An accidental discharge means there was an equipment malfunction of some sort, and it is a stage DQ, and if you can recreate it and get it fixed, you're allowed to back in. Um, if it can't be recreated, then it's assumed as a negligent discharge and you're out. The what the couple of times, I've seen it twice in however many years, and both times were a dirty trigger mechanism. Something got in there, closed the bolt, and it went off. Oh, and we were okay. able to pull that gun off, go over to a zero line, run that bolt really hard, and it went off. It's like the shooter did everything right. They were looking through the, the you know, they weren't skyloading. They were looking down their optic. The round went off, and it went into the berm where it was supposed to. They didn't touch the trigger, but there was an equipment malfunction. So that's the difference between, uh, at least in NRL language, between an accidental and a negligent. That's fair. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, for yeah. so I've always been, I always had the mindset of there's no in shooting. There's no such thing as an accidental discharge, just because the all the NDs, the negligent discharges I've ever seen in my life were always negligence. Yeah, it was never accidental. But yeah. there, I do understand, especially with competition. Like a lot of guys are running those triggers very light, and mm. you know whatever yep. else. So I get that. That make, that does make sense. And I'm sure it happens quite much more frequently in the competitive side than like in the military. But we always were told you in the military there's no such thing as an accidental discharge and there's only negligence in shooting cuz yep. that's how that's how careful you need, you should hold you should hold yourself to that standard yep. to be so careful where if that gun goes off ever then it's because you pulled the trigger yep. and is either purposeful or negligence. And it's not a super common yeah, and, thing I've seen in matches, but it, it right. 
occasionally it does happen and yep. guys will call each other out or they'll call themselves out. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's, that's one of the reasons there's a, you know, a, a variety or a, a, a multiple rules that kind of all build off each other. Right. Because if you are following all the rest of the rules and you do have an equipment malfunction or worse, a, you know, negligent discharge, if you're following all the rest of the rules, nobody gets hurt. Yep. But if you break one of the other rules and you have an ND or an AD, oh boy, uh, it's going to be a bad day. Yeah. 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 yeah oh. Not good. No, no. Having guns so, go off anyway, that, that uh, is not a yeah. good thing. The only time I've ever really seen yeah. equipment malfunctions in like the military um, side of things is, you know, we've had r- runaway guns every once in a while where you're, sh- we're shooting yeah. machine guns and they're belt fed and you're shooting, you know, doing your burst, like, and all of a sudden it's like, it just keeps going. It keeps going. They let go. And the biggest thing is you just got to ride the lightning is what yeah. you said. You just got to ride it out. Keep pointing in the safe direction. <laughs> let it ride. Mm-hmm. And there's, once again, basic, there's this one person, like they're from a city. They didn't really understand. I've never shot machine guns before in the military, but there's a, a runaway gun and he started he is a runaway gun and he fucking just like, oh shit. He just let go. He's like, I'm not doing anything. And that fucker is just sitting on the ground, just bouncing, just shooting wherever. And the drill sergeant's like, what the fuck? He grabs it, just and keeps a point in there. He's like, you gotta hold on to the motherfucker. Yeah, that's scary. Oh yeah. You can't let go in that aspect. But no, if it tips over and points towards your crew. Yeah, dude. That's not good. I've no. seen another bunch of videos. There's a bunch of videos online of runaway guns and stuff and shit getting weird i mean the best thing you could do is like just turn the belt and jam it up but well, who, that, who thinks of that you know yeah. at the time that used to be the protocol back in the day mm-hmm. where if you have a runaway gun you just you keep your you know keep control with your you know your offhand your non-dominant hand whatever hand you're not shooting with it has to be your left hand because they're fed from the left anyways yep. you grab the belt you twist it yeah just 90 just, it it'll just 90 lock it out up. and open it up and let it run through so it doesn't use all the rounds yep. but anymore there's been people where they try to grab it too close and they get jammed up in the gun too so it's like just ride oh, it out yeah just, just ride the lightning let it run through his belt and ammo's cheap fuck it yeah especially the government yeah they don't care no they don't care <laughs> actually one time in afghanistan they, they did care we were told one time by some stupid lt that you guys are shooting too much and we're like motherfucker so what you're not gonna give us the ammo he's like nope you guys are shooting too much we're like Bitch, we need some ammo. Guess like, we're getting air guns. Yeah. You want us to do these <laughs> missions or not? Like, are you going to yeah. fucking tell a whole platoon that we can't go out and do missions and do what we're supposed, we're supposed to be doing because we, we shoot too much in the middle of a fucking firefight? Like, get out of here. Yeah. But that's nah, way off subject. I'm sorry. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, negligence. Oh, don't do that. Um, so as far as competing, like, Darren, do you, because Lane and I, we talked about this in the last podcast, like, you do a lot of local um competitions mm-hmm. here like around iowa yeah do iowa and branch out to surrounding states yeah but darren like so since you're part of team bergara like what are the how's that work like does bergara kind of say like hey you know what you we want you to shoot x amount per year or you know whatever else or how many do you shoot like kind of go through that situation with you yeah so um let me qualify this by saying kind of every Buddy is different in their you know situation and what their uh, sponsor would expect of them with Bergara um, the expectation are is that we be a good face to the company we provide um, 
some kind of R&D support and evaluation for stuff. Um, we support other shooters, whether they're shooting Bergara or not. And that's our expectation. Um, for our team specifically, we don't have a, a metric or a, you know, you shall shoot this many matches or there's some incentives mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, but it's, that's not the goal of it. Right. So, um, myself personally, I help run one match every month here by Kansas city. And then depending on what my schedule allows and what else is going on, uh, you know, get to a dozen other matches in surrounding States or whatever throughout the year, as much as I can, it's, you know, with uh, jobs and the family and the, uh, trying to do some deer hunting and stuff like yeah. that, you know, you have to, you have to make time for everything. Um, I don't travel for matches near as much as I would like to, but part of that comes because of my, I've taken responsibility with some other guys here to put on a match um, every month here locally. So that, that sucks up a lot of my time. Some of the guys on the team, they travel a bunch to a bunch of different matches. So it's, we're all kind of whatever fits our personal situation. I'd like to get to more of them out of state. Um, it it really just comes down to the time. So mm -hmm. um, last year I shot in, well, I don't know, five different states, I think. So not, okay. not as many as I'd like, but it's, it's something. Yeah, so. no, that's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. You know, working <clears throat> when you're working with, yeah, I don't know. I've never been sponsored like by anyone before the companies or whatnot. So it's one of those things where I, you know, I didn't know if I think there's an expectation where like, yeah, yeah, thou shalt shoot 20 different matches a year. Yeah. Minimum, it probably depends on the sponsor. You know? so, yeah. Yep. Yep. It, it does. And the way they, uh, sponsors build their teams is all different, right? Some put, put out open, you know, application calls, Hey, we're looking for people. And, and they really judge, um, you know, they're looking for the best of the best people that can get to so many matches and get whatever. Um, Bergara's kind of taken the approach of they find people they like and will be a good face for the company, a good face for the sport, somebody that is helping get other people involved that's what they're looking for. They want mm -hmm. good people. And, you know, if you're a decent shooter, that helps. I, admittedly, I am uh, upper mid pack most days. Every once in a while, I'd squeak out a win or a top three or something, but I'm not going to be the guy, you know, in the top 10 at any national event for sure. I just, I, I don't have the, the time and the resources and whatever to, I'm going to do my best. But the guys that are winning at that level, this is their life. They live yeah. and breathe this. They are hardcore dudes. Yeah, I a, can't be that person at this thing. point in my life. There's a guy yeah. I shoot with. Well, and most of them have. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, there's a guy I shoot with. He's from down around your area. Um, I don't know if you know him, Isaiah Curtis. But I, I was talking to him one oh, time, yeah. and I'm like, hey, you practice. You know, he just, which he's a super nice guy. He He wins a lot, but he's like, hey. Who's a new shooter? Go take my prize off the table just to help get other people in. And he's an awesome dude. Help yeah. anybody out. And mm. uh, I was talking to him like, you, you must get a lot of practice. And he's like, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I go through a couple guns a year. I'm like, couple couple guns? Huh? You know, he's like, yeah, I rebarrel, you know, <laughs> uh, five, sometimes six yeah. times. I'm like, he's like, oh, I shot 40,000 rounds last year in practice. I'm like, Jeez. holy shit. 
Okay, this is why you're at the top. (laughs) That's something right there that will blow the minds of people that aren't in the competitive, you know, shooting scene, particularly with the rifles, is people change barrels like their tires on a race car. Oh, like, yeah. you know, if you buy a nice hunting rifle or something, you're like, you know, this is going to last my lifetime. You take real good care of it and you clean it and all that stuff. And, you know, you may get a couple hundred rounds to it. Dudes that are on top of their game with the centerfire stuff, they're burning out four, five, six barrels a year. And they just <laughs> shoot them till it doesn't shoot, toss it off, put a new one on there. It just blows people's minds yeah. that there's folks that are doing that. It's insane. That's the same way because, like I said, my first Brigar was a B14, and that uh, I was just shooting factory Hornady yeah. ammo. I got 27, 2800 rounds out of it, and it finally started just kind of shitting the yeah. bed to my standards. I mean, to hunt with it, it will still hunt. Yeah, right. But like I was shooting three quarters yeah. MOA, and that's that's getting kind of big for me. Yeah, yeah. When you're talking like yeah. precision, well, rifle competitions, like three quarter MOA is. It's getting up there where you're like, oh, I yeah. should probably start thinking about other things here. Because the last thing you yeah. want is to have a miss because of a you know a barrel's getting to the end of its life. It, exactly, know? it just makes the room for error greater, and that's the exactly. biggest thing why people want small ass groups is because it takes it, that gives you a bigger um, range of error for the human. Yep. You know, if the equipment's perfect, okay, now we cut the the air in half. It's just up to the human, but you know, it's not that way. So you got to take into fact so. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've seen guys shoot three-quarter rifles, you know, still take trophies home, but they're just really good on the human aspect of it yeah, versus the equipment. Right. So yep, yep. it's gone both ways. Yep. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. No, I don't know if you had anything to add there, Darren, but, um, Oh, no, it's, it's, it's interesting. Like the, the barrel life thing and, uh, Landon, you said you had what, 2,800 rounds or something. That's, that's pretty good for, uh, you know, that's average for a six, five Creedmoor, you know, Mm -hmm. get a little smaller, a little faster in the six mils, you know, they may not get quite that much. Um, but you know, the guys that are shooting a lot, they go through barrels and that's kind of one of the one of the things that's well supply chain is screwed up no matter what it is right yeah but you get guys that are ser- that are burning a lot of rounds they're not going down and they're not the guys that are buying the ammo out of you know academy or whatever mm-hmm. they're <laughs> buying primers and powder and bullets five thousand at a time they're buying barrels three or four at a time mm-hmm. and yeah. when those things dry up all of a sudden the co- competition community hurts i mean you hear the the you know uncle bob that goes and you know wants to buy a box of 30 out six he's fussing because there aren't any at walmart well uncle bob you have 200 of them sitting at home and you've shot three rounds at a deer in the past 10 years <laughs> yep. what are you fussing about so but you've got the competition guys that are burning you know tens of thousands of rounds a year they can't find anything and all of a sudden that hurts yeah so because okay while we're on this topic, I do want to mention because yeah. Darren, you're you're a big hunter. You're you bow hunt a lot, right? Yeah. And you do you do any rifle yeah. hunting? 
<laughs> um, I have shot exactly three deer with a rifle. Um, last one being, I don't know, a doe 10 years ago or something. But no, okay. I'm pretty much exclusive bow hunting. Oh, I like to shoot turkeys with a shotgun, but yeah. uh, the the deer with the bow thing is my jam. It's badass. Like Bow hunting, especially de- the deer that we're talking about, you know, Kansas, Iowa, Minnesota, yeah. the Midwest, if you will, Midwest yeah. deer, they are meant to get shot with bows and arrows, I feel like. Yeah. It's just the way it is. When you talk out west, maybe like out west-west, like mm-hmm. Wyoming, I know those places, then the rifle makes a lot more sense. But um, one thing I did really want to hit on uh, you know, with that is the fact that what I've been seeing in certain groups, right, because I'm, you know, I grew up a big gun guy and I was also a hunter. I was never a bow hunter when I was young. I've told this story a couple different times on a couple different podcasts with Kurt and stuff too, where, uh, you know, I never grew up bow hunting because my dad always said bow hunting is for felons. So it's kind of one of those things <laughs> that you can't own a gun. So you bow hunt. Yeah. But, um, is, is it kind of a funny jest, but it's one of those things where, you know, when you're talking hunters and how much they shoot and how much they, you know, cause, okay. So there's a little thing in the hunting world that everyone knows it's the Pittman Robertson act. And that is a, an excise tax that was put in, in like the, what was it? I think it was like the thirties, um, by, you know, I think his name is key Pittman and Albertson fucking Robertson, whatever. It doesn't really matter the first <laughs> names, but Pittman Robertson act is an act is an, it's an 11% excise tax put on outdoor equipment. So like rifles, mm-hmm. ammo, handguns, archery equipment. Um, I think it's even like backpacks and sleeping bags are meant for being out, out, out in the wilderness, like backpacking shit. All that stuff has an extra 11% excise tax on it. And that all goes directly towards conservation. And it's set aside in the department of interior where they set that money aside specifically for conservation, wildlife conservation. That's cool. It is. It is really cool. And Landon, you're not a, a huge hunter, right? It's been a long time, so no, not right now. But not I'd guy. like to get back into it. Okay. But I, this is the point I want to make because there's in certain groups. Like I grew up in a in more of the gun community in my local area rather than the hunting community. But I was also a hunter, so I kind of did both. I've always kind of been in both, but um, I've always been a very staunch two A advocate, mm-hmm. staunch two A guy, and like guns, I've always just loved guns. So with that said, I know a lot of hunters that have been lifetime hunters. They go out outdoors every year and they're hunting deer and they're hunting elk and they're doing this stuff and they're experiencing these awesome, vast, wild places on these beautiful public lands that have been built by the Pittman-Robertson Act with that 11% excise tax specifically where a lot of that got jump-started because of that act. Mm. And the number one thing I guarantee you, I would put my next paycheck on it that Landon Baker has done more for conservation than any Joe Schmo bow hunter that's out there and actually hunting and taking these animals off the landscape. Landon's not a big hunter, but he shoots so much that he's giving so much money to conservation that he's more of a conservationist than the guy that goes out and buys, you know, two boxes of 30 out six and uses those for the next, you know, yeah. 10, 15 years. Cause he goes, he zeros in his, his 30 out six shoots three rounds, make sure it's zeroed every year, goes out and hunts, shoots a deer, shoots an elk, does what he needs to do. Goes yeah. back home, blah, 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 blah. Everything's great, but he's not 
actually giving back to the to you know conservation near as much as Landon Baker does because yeah, he goes out and tens he shoots of thousands of dollars and tens of not even at an animal. <laughs> yeah, so if you you take that, and I'm not good at math, but you take that, and I'm like, man, you're doing that every year. Yep. You're spending a lot, a shit ton of money on rounds, on barrels, on guns, on all this shit, yep. and you're giving back to conservation more than a lot of fucking bow hunters, especially bow hunters. Like I love bow hunting, I love archery, and it's great. But guess what? You shoot an arrow, you pull it out of the target, you shoot it again, you shoot. You can shoot if you if you're a good shot and you're not losing your shit. Yeah. And you buy quality arrows, you can use a twelve pack of a dozen arrows for quite a while. Even if you break it, you break oh, okay. It. Yeah. You know, like I go to a match, like a two day match. That's three or four hundred rounds minimum, just yep. like that between practice. You know, the actual match itself, and you can't go reload that. You can't go. You can't a go portion out, of it. You can't but go, that's, well, yeah. yeah, but you can't go out the target, grab your slug, and be like, "There's my bullet. I'm going to go reload this." Yeah. No. That's not how it works. Yeah. You're yep. spending money every shot you take. Guess what? That's another couple cents towards conservation. Yeah. Every I mean, fucking time you pull that trigger, it's a couple, at least a couple cents towards conservation when there's a lot of people out there that are just, you know, out there hunting and they get their shit dialed in during the summer or whatnot, but they're not doing it near as much as like you are. Yeah. So that's one thing I, in this podcast, I really want to like really want to hammer down. You guys are going to hear this a lot from me when it comes to conservation yeah. and being a hunter and being an outdoorsman. Guess what? I just I was looking it up just the other day. I think it's upwards of um actually I have it written down here on my phone. It's like an insane amount an exorbitant amount of money that is spent towards Pittman Robertson. Okay, here we go. Ninety one percent of all revenues. Ninety one percent of all revenues towards Pittman Robertson is funded by guns and ammo. Mm-hmm. 34% of it is just ammunition. 32, 32% of it is firearms, which is, you know, rifles and shotguns. Yep. And then another 25% is pistols and revolvers. 9%, 9% is archery <laughs> equipment. Yeah. So that's, that's one thing is like, I've seen this, um, kind of a divide in certain groups and you know, I'll call them out right now, I guess like BHA backcountry hunters and anglers. They have been labeled like a green decoy to an extent mm-hmm. because the the guy that runs it, the president CEO, his name is Land Tawny. He's a big advocate of public lands, wild places, all this other shit. But he's, you know, his dad was the was a Democrat Party leader in Mon- the state of Montana. You know, they've always been kind of inherently. I'm not going to say they're openly anti-gun, mm-hmm. but they have that stigma attached to him and Lantani, he's never came out he's not an nra guy he's never been a big gun he has guns i'm not gonna he does have guns he hunts with guns yep but he's not a big shooter and i bet you 100 percent. i bet you if i had him on as talking to him i'd be like hey do you support an assault weapons ban <laughs> he'd be like you yeah, know yeah. you don't need an assault weapon to go hunt no motherfucker you don't but guess what that's not the point yeah so that's what I'm, that's what i'm getting at there well, is yeah. there is a certain divide in the hunting community, in the shooting community, mm-hmm. that pisses me the fuck off. Because I'm like, ooh, we're all part of it. We're all on the same team here. Yeah. You, you know, Joe, Uncle Joe Bowhunter, he doesn't want his hunting rights taken away. Just like Landon doesn't want his gun rights taken away. Mm-hmm. We're on the same team. We are all under attack all the time. Yeah. So we need to come together and support each other. Whether or not you like guns or anything, it's like... If you're a hunter, especially if you're big into conservation, you have to, you have to, if, unless you want to come stay completely ignorant 
by choice. You have to understand that the majority of the Pittman Robertson act that everyone loves and is happy to pay that extra tax on most of that comes from people that don't fucking hunt. Yeah. They're just blowing ammo. They're just blowing ammo. And yeah. guess what? Those guys are the perfect contributors. Cause they don't even hunt. They don't even fucking hunt. Yeah. They most still do, but not near a lot as much. Yeah. But, a lot of them do. You know. but like, you know, like a guy that's dedicated his life to being a competitive shooter. Yeah. Let's say he doesn't have the time to go out and hunt as much as a guy that's dedicated his life to be a hunter. hunter. Yeah. Like you're out there taking, taking shit off the landscape, taking these animals off the landscape. And I'm not saying you're not giving back because mm-hmm. they, they are, yeah. they are, they're probably part of, you know, the Pope and Young club or whatever else. They're probably part of these clubs and doing their due diligence and they, they care. I'm not saying they don't care. I'm just saying you have to understand the importance of supporting the second amendment and supporting gun rights and keeping as much of these rights as we can intact. Yeah. Because if guess what motherfucker guns go away tomorrow, so does a lot of fucking hunting. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff that you love to do and enjoy to do. Yep. So that's my little soapbox that I really wanted to get out that now that we're on the aspect of really, really hammering down on how <laughs> much these motherfuckers shoot mm-hmm. like Darren and Landon and all your, and everyone else that shoots competitively. Like these guys are going out there spending, like you said, tens of thousands of dollars to just, just to compete just because they love it. Yeah. So you have to respect that. Yeah, and because it, it's not like you're yeah, taking my, home crazy, you know, it's hardly ever money. You might win a rifle, a trophy, you know, shooting, you know, reloading powder, something, but it's not paying for your weekend, <laughs> right? <laughs> Most yeah. of the times, you because you love it. Yeah, exactly. And the and the very slim chance that my wife listens to this, um, honey, I am not spending tens of thousands of dollars doing this, <laughs> or at least as far as you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> Neither am I. Uh, well, that's when you say, honey, the, uh, Landon, Landon's a center fire guy. Those rounds cost a lot more than my little 22s. Yeah, like, I'm not yeah. spending that much money They're like $7 a piece. Yeah, he's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, he's crazy. That's why I shoot 22s, they, love. They send they sent this stuff to me. I don't know why I keep showing up. It just keeps sending it to me. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sponsored by no, Bergara, well, honey. No. <laughs> yeah, boy, that cost me. Yeah. I think if you ever talk to any sponsored shooter, um, like, oh, it must be great. And like, well, yeah, I spend three times as much t- money on stuff now than I used to. So, uh, awesome. Right. Yeah. That is um, the general concern. Everybody thinks that you get your ammo free, you travel in the gut, and they're like, no, I might have got shit at cost. And that, nope. that's about it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. They cut me, if I'm sponsored by Bergara, they cut me a deal on the rifle. Yeah. Nice. I got a jersey. Yeah, they, I got a jersey, do. though. That's pretty dope. Yeah. yeah. And there you Ber- go. And Bergara's oh. a great company. And they started out as a just a barrel manufacturer, right, until... When did they start making rifles, Darren? Do you, you know? Yeah, so... Um, I, I should have boned up on my history a little bit here, but the... So, yep, so barrels was their specialty, and you probably... You might already know this, but um, they're also made the barrels for the CVA line. Yep. So BPI uh, is parent company of Bergara and CVA and some other things. Um, but the first Bergara rifle that I know of, the B-14, was in 2014. Mm-hmm. So as far as firearms manufacturers go, they're still pretty new in the game. Um, you look at their crazy lineup now for a company that's really only been pumping out centerfire rifles for what less than 10 years they've mm-hmm. put some work into it oh yeah they have and honestly i, I have to 
I have to give it to Bergara because they kind of came on my radar with the B14 as well. Like you were saying, you know, yeah. it's like, dude, yeah. okay, the barrels are great. Like they're world-renowned for their barrels. And they're world-renowned for their barrels. And they're also, they're not like a, uh, I don't know if they started out as a custom as a custom barrel manufacturer or what, but until they got wrapped up with the CVA, either way, it's like they kept them at a an affordable price somehow, mm-hmm. and then they came out with their yeah. they came out with their yep. centerfire rifles, like the Bergara B14. Like, are you kidding me? Like, that's a great gun yep. for yeah fifteen hundred bucks. I mean, you get the HMR, the plain yeah. one, for like nine hundred. Nine hundred, okay. Yeah. So you're talking like what? You, what were you shooting with that? Sell by my way, right? Oh, you, said, was, you said you got sick of the barrel yep. when it started to hit three quarter MOA, so you're probably half. Yeah. And I was shooting factory Hornady ammo, and I actually won one of the competitions. It was full size Zipsic targets at fifteen hundred and fifty yards with a complete factory setup and a four hundred dollar scope. Yep. So you're talking <laughs> fourteen yep. to fifteen hundred dollars for your entire setup. Yeah. Shooting factory Hornady ammo and competing. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, just just putting it that way, it's like, man. For them to come out, come out so hard and heavy with an affordable option like that, yep. and still keeping them for like their new, the new Bergara um, B14 Crest squared, B14 squared Crest, yeah, like that gun's fucking badass. Yeah, it's they all just carbon. keep getting better. You know, carbon yeah. fiber, all stainless. You know, et right. But you're talking two grand for an all carbon gun. Mm-hmm. Like what the fuck? Like that's awesome. That's yep. And it'd be hard to do that custom that to a custom build. Yep. Oh yeah, you're talking four Get, uh, four grand, probably. Yeah. I mean, I was just looking at a barrel for my seven som, and the blank alone's nine hundred. You got four hundred for machining costs, so it'd be thirteen hundred for a barrel to start a custom gun, yep. and you know to get a custom action, which Bergara is pretty close to custom action. I feel. Yeah, their actions are pretty fucking yeah smooth. I mean, I mean, I got four thousand rounds through mine. It still runs like a champ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, and then they have their whole competition lineup. Yeah. Like, I'm sure that's what you're shooting, right, Darren? Their competition 22. Yeah, so I've got um, the one I have now is a B14R um, barrel to action put into a MPA chassis, and so the with the rim fires, you can buy the one in the HMR stock, or you can buy a barrel to action only and put it in whatever chassis stock, whatever you want. Oh, okay. Um, there's a there's we're working on maybe expanding that line to a little bit different uh, barrel offerings, um, but then if you look at the centerfire side, there's what they call their competition rifle. Um, it's the Premier Series in a MPA chassis, and that was designed to hit that production class MSRP for PRS, and so that's my six millimeter is that Vergara competition rifle, pretty darn solid. Uh, rifle and you look at the the price of it and you start pricing the individual components a barrel action a um you know, a good trigger tech trigger you're that's yeah as you're not say, spending any less money no they're coming <laughs> they're coming with a trigger they're coming at you with a trigger tech trigger too like the the hunting the bergara yep. like hunt quote-unquote hunting rifles they're coming with uh, i don't know what kind of triggers in them uh, is it trigger tech still or i don't think so i think the trigger tech's only on their competition Dep- rifles yeah you depending on which yeah so depending uh, most of them are, are just the bergara trigger which as far as factory triggers go are darn solid mm-hmm. um 
But the cool thing with all the Bergara rifles is they are all Remington 700 footprint. So mm. any 700, Remington 700 style trigger, base, stock, chassis, whatever, you can customize these bad boys to your heart's content because there's parts out there. So yeah. you're not trying to find some weird bolt pattern and, you know, somebody doesn't make a, a trigger for it. Now, all that stuff is out there. So you can do whatever you want with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cause like so. you, like your setup, Landon, mm-hmm. on your custom gun. Like, what kind of like, I, I, did we go over this on the last podcast? Really in depth? Uh, like, what might have a little bit? Like, what, right what now you, you run a defiance action, defiance okay. deviant action. Because at the time, I was like, well, I need to buy a custom action. Might as well go with the top one. So <laughs> there it is. And there's fourteen hundred <laughs> bucks just right out the door. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then uh, did fall in love with the MPA chassis, so I went to MPA. BA comp chassis is what I'm running now, and I've had that one for several years. No regrets. Uh, run a Trigger Tech special trigger on it. Mm-hmm. Got that baby turned as far down as it'll go. I was going to go with the Diamond, but I don't need it to go that low. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I still yeah. get excited sometimes. Right. What, and, what, what, what poundage? It, you have it dialed all the way down. What are you talking about then? Uh, I believe what it's 14 or 15 ounces. Sheesh. And then the diamond will go down yeah. to eight ounces, six or eight ounces. I believe Jeez. the diamond goes down. Holy fuck. That's light. That's getting down there. That's yeah. <laughs> I'm running a, yeah. running a diamond at that low in PRS. Oh boy. That makes me yeah. nervous. There's but. too much movement on the gun to have something that light. I right. feel, I mean, there's guys that do it and kudos to them, but they've trained a lot yeah. more with it. Right. Yep. They're definitely not closing that bowl until they're ready to. That's shoot. where you get the negligent discards. They just barely <laughs> squeak the gun over, and it's just it's gone. Yep. Oh fuck, that suck. I'd probably be running a little bit heavier trigger too. Yeah, it's in competitions when you're moving around. Yeah, if you're bench rest shooting, that's one thing. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. You know, you're just sitting Fucking there chilling, but blow on it and shoot it. Yeah, but you know, like I love the trigger tech. It only, I think, it travels thirty thousandths of an inch to actually set it off. So it's just there's mm-hmm. zero creep. It just click and it's gone, and that really improves the accuracy of it doesn't matter who's behind it just because it like startles them you know because people put pressure on the trigger and they're waiting and waiting and then they start to pull a rifle they get nervous or flinchy this one's just like as soon as you touch it it's gone so you don't really have the time to give yourself a bad habit yeah, in between right. you know right you, know, you just gotta make sure you are on target when you start you know putting your finger in the trigger yep. wheel yep yep yeah, so what, what is your setup yeah, looking like, but, Darren, with that, like, when it comes to that kind of stuff? Because like, I know there's a big, pretty big deviation between center fires and 22s, but... Yeah. Yeah, so with my uh, my primary competition, 22 now, so it's B14R action um, in a MPA comp chassis, and the reason... I actually have a whole pile of a MPA chassis because I'm kind of cheap. And they're super popular in the PRS world. And so you can find used ones a lot of times. And so I've bought a whole bunch of, yeah, all of them that I have, I bought used and saved a pile of money. So, um, but I, I do like the MPA. There's lots of other, lots of other good chassis out there too. But so the, in the MPA, um, I've got actually, uh, right now running a heavy contour 20 inch kind of prototype test barrel on it from Bergara. So that's pretty sweet. Hopefully we'll see some of those uh, get uh, get out in public at some point. So if you see pictures of it, it doesn't look quite like the catalog. That's the story there is we're doing a little R&D on those. And uh, I've got um, Trigger, uh, Timney, Calvin Elite mm-hmm. Custom. 
and uh, it's I like those because that's the one that you can adjust um, as different shoes on it, and you can adjust the the length of the trigger bar on there, customize it. However, I'm built weird, like I got all kinds of strange proportions, so anything that I can adjust, I like to be able to adjust and. Um, so got that on there, running uh, Athlon Cronus for a scope, um, Atlas bipods of some variety, and uh, little bits and bobs from Anarchy Outdoors and L3i, and so mm-hmm. I, that's I, I, you know, gear isn't going to win things alone, but man, I I love gear and I love stuff, and yeah. uh, so that's so much. It's like anything right cars or whatever if you if you're into stuff uh, guns are a good way to tinker so i I like all that too yeah between support bags scopes and bipods there's so much stuff you can play with yeah that's one thing um that's one thing with guys especially it's like man for some reason like guy hobbies (laughs) are very expensive very and they require a lot of stuff like you're saying the accessories are insane it's insane like whether you're into shooting or hunting or cars or trucks or doesn't matter what it is you know it doesn't matter what it is or you're big into carpentry or woodworking Mm -hmm. it still takes a lot of shit yeah (laughs) it's kind of funny because like and go ahead darren i was say you always think you know you always think you know what you want and so you're super excited to go get it and you get it and you're like huh Man, this isn't what I thought it was. I should have maybe listened to people that told me what I should have got. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. And that's. I mean, I had a conversation with my wife a while back. Um, you know, I getting really. I, I'm big into hunting. I love hunting. I love shooting and all this stuff. And she's like, "I need a hobby." And I'm like, "Well, you know, you just gotta find one." You know, kind of deal. Yeah. And she's like, "Your hobby's so expensive." I'm like, "Yeah, well, you know, I don't know." <laughs> sorry yeah i don't know what to tell you like find a hobby then anyways long story short she's trying to find a hobby and then she decides she wanted to become a cop now or now she is big in the guns ever since <laughs> so started, now she has an expensive hobby yep now we just both have expensive hobbies yeah. but like when we were training when i was helping train her for you know shooting so that was one big thing she never really shot before she decided to become a deputy <laughs> and she, i was like all right if i'm gonna teach you you gotta be like, listen to me she did great and got her shooting pretty pretty damn well. And uh, now she's like, she fucking like, really likes guns. So I, now we just have two, yeah. We just have very expensive hobbies in this household now. So Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no. New. You could share. Yeah. I, was, I, sell a I house. can't remember if you... Yeah, I can't remember if you covered that on your podcast with your wife, which was an excellent one, by the way. But some of the oh, best you. shooters out there are women because they can be coached where men got this big that's i know what true. i'm doing i absolutely. got this covered thing absolutely and boy that's a hard one to deal with so it is and kudos to you for being able to coach your wife i have to be a little careful we see that sometimes it's like um well maybe let's have somebody else work with you because i don't want to get frustrated and yeah. Bring <laughs> yeah sometimes it is easier to have somebody else teach your wife yeah it's <laughs> one of those things where you know She's going to listen to this, so I got to be careful. But <laughs> um, there, she came at it from. So when she we when we first started talking about her wanting to become a cop, um, she brought it up to me almost as like a joke. She's like, "Oh, would you say this?" I'm like, "Absolutely not." And she's like, oh, "Okay." 
And then the whole time went by and another uh, a reserve deputy position opened. And actually, I think it's a full-time position open. And she's like, okay, seriously, like, I'm actually getting at it. Like, seriously thinking about this, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it if you don't, you know, if, if you're not in support of it, then I won't do it. And I told her, I'm like, okay. The first time you brought it up was kind of just as a, I thought it was like more of a joking matter. Yeah. And I didn't really put a whole lot of thought on it. But you're right. I don't like the idea of you being a cop and being out there. She's a small statured female. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what happens if you pull a guy like me over? And I decided to get rowdy and I fucking, you know, it, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm a big guy. Like I'm like 250 pounds and six foot two. It's like, I'm not a small man. Yeah. Like it's I, twice her size. Easy. Yeah. And she knows like if I was high on drugs and decided to fucking rough her up, it wouldn't take much. Yeah. Cause she's a small statured female. It's just the way it is. It's mm-hmm. biology. But, um, I told her like, all right, well, if you want to do this and you got to take it fucking serious. And that was the number one thing. Like if you take it seriously, then that'd be great. And mm-hmm. also like you need to learn how to shoot, obviously. Yeah. Because shit happens and you need to know what you're doing. And you, you, need, you need to know how to shoot for qualifications in general. But uh, we decided is one of those things where, yeah, you know, I'll help train her. And she wanted my help. And I told her to. I'm like, okay, if you want my help, I can get you there. I can, I can do everything I can. And I know I can make you at least passing. And then you can go from there kind of deal. Yeah. Um. But she she did great. There's a couple times where she'd get frustrated and she'd kind of start talking back a little bit. I'm like, listen, if you want to do it on your own, then do it on your own. I'll just fucking go back inside. And she's like, no, no, no. I want you up. I'm like, okay, cool. So then I started, you know, yeah. it, it, there's only a few times like that, but she was great. Like throughout the whole thing, like she listened really well. And that's like what you were saying, Darren, where she didn't have an ego. She knew, she knew coming into it that she didn't know shit yeah. about guns. Like she didn't know shit. So mm-hmm. I had to show her, like, tell her, like, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. like, go piece by piece mm-hmm. on her on her gun. And luckily, I had a, a Glock 19 at the time. And um, I was like, okay, you know what this is? She's like, no. I'm like, well, this is a slide. Okay. Like, do you know what this yeah. is? And she's like, well, I know that's the trigger. I'm like, okay, great. You know that. Like, what is in here called? And she's yeah. like, I, I don't know. Like, it's where the magazine goes. Like, yep, that's a magwell. Mm-hmm. And this is a magazine, not a clip. And these are rounds, not bolts. I, mean, I was going through this whole thing, and like... Yeah. Almost halfway joking, but it's like one of those things that I had to break it down like Barney style for her. Yeah. And she was totally, she's like, yeah, I don't know shit. So she's very receptive, receptive to it. So it's one of those things too. Like when you're talking to new shooters, you have to really gauge their, um, and be honest, like their intelligence level when it comes to guns mm-hmm. and don't be afraid to break it down Barney style for them. And don't be, like you said, Darren, earlier on in the podcast, like, don't be a dick about it. Yeah. If I was a dick about it, I'm like, you don't know what the fuck yeah. this is called? Like, are you serious? Yeah, go back home. You want to be a fucking cop? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get out of here. You know, I'm like, no, no, okay, you don't know what it's called. This is a slide, just so you don't yeah. sound dumb. Like, that's what it is. Mm. And, you know, break it down Barney style for yeah. people that don't know, if, especially if they get interested in it. It's like, man, it's, you, yeah. I don't know. She she, well, did, she did do great, and she's shooting great now, and she's, I you know, I don't know. She's come leaps and bounds in a very short amount of time. And I really think it boils down to the fact, like you said, Darren, where she didn't have an ego coming into it. Because mm-hmm. I go talk to almost any dude. And I'm like, do you know what this is? He's like, yeah, it's a gun. I'm like, what kind of gun? Yeah. I know what it is, It's dude. a pistol, dog. Yeah, I know well, what it is, dude. Yeah. It's a fucking Glock 17 <laughs> jackass. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know what that is. I knew that. Like, not, all right, dude. <laughs> I don't want to get down a political road at all, but sometimes I, I wish that with our policymakers, somebody would do that exact thing, right? Set them down and explain just some of the fundamentals about firearms, about 
the hunting about the shooting community because you see some of this legislation, some of these people talking about stuff, mm-hmm. they have absolutely no idea, even the most basic fundamentals, but they're making policy about it because of what they think. And it's, I, I try not to think that they're horrible people or whatever, but they, are. they just don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> they're just going off their ignorance. But they just don't know. Yeah, they just don't know. And nobody has ever pulled them aside and said, hey, let's learn about this thing. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's, and then, then make your opinions. Then take your stand, but at least learn about what you're talking about. And it's it's hard but that's that's what we got to be doing right is is grabbing these mm-hmm. people and say hey let's let's learn about this stuff whatever whatever it is uh is if you're if you're ignorant about it um then it's then it's pretty easy to take a stand and get entrenched and mm-hmm. you know this is the way i feel but well, but you really don't know cuz you've never been exposed to it exactly it's, it's like that same thing when um when you're talking about hey, okay yeah i'm just going to touch on this real quick we don't have to go into yeah. detail about this. Um, but same thing about abortion. Mm. I don't care what you think yeah. about it, but it's the same thing about abortion where it's like my body, my choice. If you have a dick, you can't tell me what to do with my body. It's like, okay, like that. First of all, it's an invalid, really an invalid point, but I get what you're saying. Like, okay, you're going to use that same kind of thing with, I guess, gun policy and stuff too. Like motherfucker, you can't ban something. You have no idea what it what it even is yeah like i think biden was saying a couple of times where yeah an ar-15 is gonna or a nine millimeter would turn your will turn your insides out kind of thing it's like oh well no yeah not no yeah. but it's like one of those things like and you can't how are you gonna legislate something you have no fucking idea about they just go off of fear you go off of fear it's all about fear a lot more fear-mongering they're just trying to mm-hmm. get votes that's it, really what it boils down they're just trying to get votes and you know, and you said there, and like you don't like to think that they're bad people, and like hopefully not. But I, in my opinion, I think a lot of them are. Yeah. I think a lot of them are bad people, and a lot well, of them are just power hungry human beings, and they're trying to stay. Yeah, like, why the fuck would you stay in politics for seventy fucking but, but, years mm-hmm. under scrutiny like this if you weren't getting but, something back that normal people don't get, yeah. or whatever else? You're, you're getting ahead yeah. somehow, motherfucker. Yeah. So don't. I yes, I would like to believe that someone that's been a career politician is not a bad person, but it's hard for me to believe that. Well, you start looking at their net worth. It's like, okay, yeah. you get paid 160,000 a year. Granted, you've done it for 20 years, but your net worth is, you know, $40 million. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Good investments. Do the, mm-hmm. do the math. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Motherfucker. But yeah, no, I do like to think that hopefully yeah. people get into it for the right reasons. But unfortunately, maybe a lot of them do get into it. For the right reasons, but they don't stay in it for the right reasons. I think the money starts coaxing ways. Oh, for sure, dude. Yeah. That's why you don't see any real change well, and, and stuff. That's why they take these lazy approaches to, and it's to really, gun control. Mm-hmm. Like There's like, let's ban the gun because I don't fucking understand it, but people are getting killed by guns, so let's ban it. Instead of looking deeper into the problem, actually trying to fix what's wrong. It's yeah. just, oh, let's just take away their toys. If they can't play right, then let's just take away their toys. Look at Japan, like they have super strict gun laws and stuff like that. But guess what? The murder rate only dropped like two percent, and knives are the number one murder weapon in Japan. Yeah, and everybody's like, a knife? Really? That's crazy. Look how yeah. crowded it is. Fuck! You run down the subway, you could nail how many people? Mm-hmm. They're packed in like sardines. Oh yeah, and it gets real discouraging, at least for me. Um, you know, kind of seeing some of this 
political positioning and all of this, particularly at a national level, and it, it can get it can get overwhelming, discouraging, makes me angry and stuff. And it's like, well, what can I do about it? Well, probably I can't change the presidents or any of the Congress members' minds about anything, but I can grab my neighbor down the street. I can grab you know people local and get them involved, right? I can mm-hmm. explain things to them, and so I think for most of us, that's kind of where we got to make a difference, right? Is that's our, the only thing we get can do. Get our neighbors, do. get our friends, get our, yeah, get our family, get, you know, cranky Uncle Joe that hates everything in the world. We'll take him out hunting for a little bit, and maybe he just won't hate everything anymore. And, yep. And even, so, if they, even if they uh, don't turn into shooters or hunters, maybe, yeah. just maybe they'll come away with a different, with a different perspective. Maybe they're not a, evil. No. Yep. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Your neighbor down the road yep. isn't evil. He's your fucking neighbor. You yeah. call him like, hey, buddy, you have a snowblower? I'm snowed in. What do you say? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Landon, yeah, yeah. you need to go to yep. work? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'll help you out. That's what being neighborly is. And, you know, it's just be, yeah, like you said, Darren, it's like be kind, be nice, take people out, see what happens. If they don't become a hunter or shooter, yep. then whatever. But maybe they'll come come away with a, with a better point of view or a more nuanced point of yeah. view at, at minimum. Yeah, like my uncle. Uh, yeah, well, probably, and then. Go ahead, Darren. No, I was going to say, and then the flip side of it is maybe they learn something, and maybe I learn something too. Maybe I, maybe you know, uh, there's there is they have a point of view about something I never considered, and so hopefully both of us learn something and be nice to each other that way. Oh yeah, yeah. Because my uncle remarried. I was probably sixteen, and uh, he lives in Denver, Colorado. Big tech guy, you know, white collar job forever, and. Married this, you know, new girl, super smart. They came out to the family farm, you know, the rednecks of Kansas. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we met her, and she was super nice and all that stuff. We're like, hey, we're going to go out and shoot. And she's like, oh, oh, we're shooting guns? We're like, whoa, what What the hell else are we going to shoot? Cool, you know. <laughs> so we anyway, load up the truck, take the foilers out, go out to the farm. We had a monster range set up out there at the time. And uh, we start off 22. It's not scary. It's not loud. It's your recoil. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, this isn't bad. And then pretty soon we, she started kind of enjoying fun. And then my dad's like, oh, I'm a big collector of like, you know, war weapons kind of thing. Like he loves M1, you know, gear and the M30 carbine, AK-47, M16. He's like, I really <laughs> like those era weapons. And uh, he whips out one of her AK-47s. And she's like, oh, my God, you guys are the fucking devil. And she, yeah. she almost like, we're like, well, you can walk back to town. It's 15 miles. So good luck. Yeah. And, uh. I could shoot a twenty two, but I don't want to shoot an assault weapon. So we finally talked her into like we shot we're like it's she's like, That's a weapon of mass destruction. It's like, okay, no. No, it's mm-hmm. it, this is a tool. It could be used for bad, just like a hammer can. You know, hammers murder people. Yeah. And so she shot it and she's like, Wow, this is kind of fun. Oh yeah. Okay, so we, we probably mm-hmm. shot five, six hundred uh, thousand rounds that day. I just out there blast away. In a day, pack things up, went through and we're like, Anybody get hurt? Nope. Anybody get close to getting hurt or die? Nope. She's like, you guys really changed my mind. I Because she was super anti-gun. Super. Yeah. Well, the, yep. big, the biggest thing is, too, is, like, you just got to, a lot of times, you just got to show them, at least show them the facts of the matter where it's like, dude, this isn't, when I shoot this AK-47, this AR-15, when I shoot it at this target, it's mm-hmm. not going to explode. No. It's not a fucking. Too much Hollywood. It's not, yeah, it's too much Hollywood. It's not going to start. Shit on fire. It's not going to do anything crazy. It's going to go bang, pit. Yeah. Or ping or whatever. Yeah, that's the you coolest know, you'll get out of it. It's like, it's not near as 
crazy as Hollywood makes it seem or these politicians make it seem or the media makes it seem. It's like, it's just a tool. It's just mm-hmm. a gun. It's just like anything else, like a baseball bat. You use it for, you know, hit like playing baseball and hitting balls, or you can use it to pound your buddy's fucking face in the ground. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's how you use it. It's how you use oh, it. not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I watch yeah, Walking absolutely. Dead, man. I know what bats can do. Man, I gave up on that like <laughs> season half in. I just couldn't uh, couldn't handle oh, okay. it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Nothing ever happened. Well, you can only watch but, someone like run away and shoot zombies so much before you're like, okay, guys. Yeah. All right. Yeah. This is fuck. gonna be the same thing forever. All right. When the zombie apocalypse happens, then I can just then I can figure this out. But it's like, yeah, you can only watch that for so long before you're just like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. Like, what? What am I really doing yep. with my life right now? Like, this is 100% meaningless. Yeah. I could be reloading <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah. I could be doing something more productive. Go, yeah. Go see if there's new Hunt Wars on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's a good show. Especially season two, episode one and yeah. two. That's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> That's I was watching I was the one. <laughs> goofy, goofy dude scoped himself with the Tacticam. Like, what's uh, going on here? Listen, that was nope. that happened I, because of my muzzle loader, and it weakened my eye, my eyebrow, and then it tapped me at Hunt Wars, and it just happened as being so, filmed. So yeah, you're right. I did look fucking kind of. So stupid, I, but... uh, <laughs> I have one of those tacticams, and I ran it for three stages on two different matches before I got tired of banging myself in the nose with the camera off the side mm-hmm. of it. Um, before I just pulled it off in the middle of the match, said this is not going to work, <laughs> dude. It's such a. It's a I love the camera and I put yep. it on my bow, but it, yep. I can't handle it in a match. It's such a cool device. Like it's so cool. Have you ever ran a tactic cam? I've you? never used one. I've watched tons of videos from, and I've seen guys use them, but I've never ran it myself. They're so cool. Like the the um f uh, I can't remember what the fuck it's called, but shoot through your scope. Mm-hmm. Um, FTS. FTS. Okay. Film through scope. FTS. Yep. Film through yep. scope. There you go. Thanks, Darren. It's such a cool design. Like, it's so cool. But, yeah. man, it may, it takes your eye relief and cuts it in half at least, right? That would be super hard to get used to. Yeah. You'd say it, it probably cuts it at least in half, right, yeah. Darren? Especially, like, I shoot off a of barricade yeah, all the time. It, it, I'm going to pop myself in the oh, face yeah, every dude. shot. Yep. Well, and not so much even that, I noticed. And so, if hey, Tacticam, if you're listening, you make good cameras. And I love them, all that stuff. But, um if you are really needing the scoop clarity, like, you know, mm-hmm. landing, you know, you don't want your scope all cloudy, right? And a match. Yeah. The way the film through scope thing works, there's mirrors and you have to look through one of these mirrors. Mm-hmm. I don't know how all the coding magic and all that stuff works, but it really does degrade your scope quality a little bit. And That's I just couldn't sure. handle that. It, yeah. And I couldn't, it, it, uh, made it dark money, enough. Like, uh, nope. Yep. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a competitive dude. When I was on Hunt Wars, I was like, you know, I wasn't a dick. I'm not like a dickhead competitor, but it's like, I am competitive. I want to set myself up for success. So when I was out there shooting, I was really trying. I'm like, I get it's a show. Shooting this, shooting with this on my scope would be fucking badass for footage. It'd be, it'd be awesome. But man, I, when I dialed my scope up past, I think it was like five or six power, I had to get, Really close, my gun. Oh, yeah, really it's, close. It's not even worth it then. No, that's where I was at. I'm like, man, after I scoped myself, I'm like, okay, yeah, funny, funny, funny. And I was talking to 
Troy and stuff. I'm like, dude, I know they're a sponsor and everything else, but I'm like, I, I don't, I don't know what to do about this. Like I can't get past four power and feel comfortable shooting. He's like, Hey, if you, if it's going to hinder your performance, like just take it off. Like it's not a big deal. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Love it. It's a great thing. If I, if, if you, if you don't shoot past four power, great. Have at it. It's awesome. But, and, and, and I ended up shooting my fucking antelope, my mm. pronghorn at 77 yards. So I was at three <laughs> power. Like I was like, yeah, I could have definitely had it on yeah. and it would have been badass, but I didn't. Cause I think it'd be bad for me. Cause I shoot, well, I shoot the Cronus, you know, how thin the crosshairs are on that one. Don't you? Yeah. Aaron? Oh yeah. And, and like, yeah. I mean, yep. if you're below 10, they're thin mm-hmm. and I, I typically shoot 10 to 15 power. Yep. And that's, uh, yeah. Yep. First focal plane, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean. Absolutely love it, too. Yeah. Yeah. First focal plane is where it's at, especially when you're talking competition. Like, with my loophole, um, it's a, it just has the CBS reticle in it. So, that's a second focal plane. But it doesn't have, all, mm. it doesn't have the mill dots or the mm. MOA hash marks or any. It doesn't have any. That's just a regular old CDS. Uh, C, I'm sorry. Duplex reticle, not CDS. It's CDS scope, which is a custom dial system. But it's a duplex reticle. Which is just your standard straight fucking crosshairs, right? Yeah, yep. And it's that's perfect for second focal plane scopes, hunting mm-hmm. situation, dial. You dial your yardage, call your night, make your wind call if you are if you know it's, if it's that windy. But you you're not you're never in a hunting situation with a rifle. You're not really hold. You're not shooting at extreme ranges unless you are want to do that. But if you want to do yeah. that. Then yeah, I mean you're gonna have the scope set up for that, and yeah, you're gonna be spending a little bit more money on it if if you're going out west shooting, you know, eleven hundred yards across a canyon. Yeah, it's different than whitetail in the woods. (laughs) Well, even then you. So I know you didn't ask, but I have, uh, I have some opinions on that uh, long range hunting stuff that I may not be popular, but um, I always have to kind of question people when they say. Oh, I always have to kind of question people when they say, well, yeah, well, I can take a thousand yard shot. Like, well, I know your equipment is capable, but are you, and are you prepared to deal with the repercussions if something changes, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, a thousand yards, if that's a, a, a second of bullet flight. Yep. I'm not very speedy, but I can take a pretty big step in a second. If you're an antelope or something like that, Man, all of a sudden, you're even if it's the best shot in the world, second later, and now it's in the guts. Yeah, like, Ooh. honestly, antelope, I Man, wouldn't I, be I so scared know. about because they're they're so fast. They probably you probably get a clean miss, but like elk, mm-hmm. oh yeah, you hit them. Yeah, you, you, you'll that's gut shot central, you know. Especially if you're shooting across the canyon. And By I, the time you catch up to them, they're over the next one. Yeah. You'll you'll lose it. Right. That's how I think. And too. I know I know people are capable of doing it, and I know it's people do it all the time, but. It's kind of those things like, man, as uh, if I'm hunting, me personally, like I have to make sure I'm doing the absolute best I can to do what's best for the animal. And if there's a little bit of uncertainty because of distance, man, maybe it's better for me just to wait it out a little bit. Oh, yeah. 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 That's that's where I come across it. Yeah. Like me personally, it's like um, when I got my – when I got my Ruger American 6.5 Creed more before I went on Hunt Wars, I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I, I did a lot of shooting. And I got pretty comfy out to, I felt very confident out to 700 yards. Mm-hmm. But would I take yeah. that for my first shot? Absolutely not. No. Absolutely not. I wanted to keep it within 400. For one, for the competition, um, anything past 400 was a deduction. 
So I didn't want to get any deductions. Um, but also it's like, that's just like when it comes to rifle hunting, 400 and in is kind of your hunting distance. Yeah. 500. Okay. 600. Sure. Anything past like 600. It's like, man, you're like Darren said, you know, it's like, you're really kind of gambling at that point a little bit. Is it even hunting? I mean, like if you have a white tail at a thousand yards, you can stand up and scream at it. It might not even look at you. Yeah. Right. It's one, (laughs) it's one of those things where it's like me personally, like if I take a shot at, you know, six, seven hundred plus yards, it's my second shot. It's a follow-up shot. Like I, I already yeah. hit the animal. It okay. runs off. It's at, it's, I shoot it at 324 yards, right? And it runs off and it's a, say it's a good hit or maybe I shanked it a little bit or something like that. And it's saying at 615 yards to stand there. Like I'm a big advocate of if it's on its feet, keep shooting mm-hmm. if you can. So if it's at 614 yeah. yards, I'm going to, I'm going to fucking shoot again. And if I hit it in the haunches yeah. or something like that, okay, it is what it is. But it's my second, it's a follow-up shot. Yep. You know, so you, the more holes you put in, in unfor- you know, not to be brutal, but I would say the more holes you put in an animal, the faster it's going to die. Yeah. And that's what we're all going for is a fast, ethical, quick kill. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I'll, I practice long distance with my rifles because I want to be confident at a follow shot basically is how I go. But or also if you practice at six, 700 yards all the time, 400 yards seems really comfortable for shot. you. Right. Yep. Exactly. And the same thing with bow hunting. Yep. And you know, those Darren just as good as I do, where I'm not going to yeah. tell somebody like you can't do that or you shouldn't do that. Yep. I'm going to say like, it's up to every hunter to come up with their own ethical distance and their own ethical range. Yeah. I might not have my opinions on it, but I'm never going to tell you like, you're wrong for doing X or shooting at X at X yards. They're not going to do that because everyone's different. Yeah. You know, you know, it's like, if you feel confident in doing it, then, you know, Hey, you know, like you said, Darren, it's like, you got to deal with the repercussions that come with that, making that decision. So. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. And I think maybe in Landon sees us too, with you know, maybe some of the views from the competition community is you look at people like, say yeah well i'll shoot an elk at a thousand yards like well okay you read that you know in the magazine or whatever so you got the the percentage of the people that know that you know in theory it can be done so they want to do it and and then you have a a small percentage of people that are really super proficient and actually can do that and you know have the information and so you have a small percentage on that end but the vast majority of us are in the middle there where we've sent enough rounds down range that we're, wow, we know we know when things can go bad and go south we've seen enough misses to know uh we better limit our range a little bit because it's not a plate of steel right it's an mm-hmm. animal and we we want to do what's best for that so it's it's interesting to see and, you know i'm not gonna yell at people or de- you know demean them or whatever but it's you really do need to know your limits and what's what's best for every situation. So. Yeah. And, and like to me, killing animals at a thousand yards isn't like a bragging right kind of thing. Cause yeah. an animal is honestly a big ass fucking target. Let's, let's be honest. Yeah. If it's staying in broadside, that's like a 10 MOA target, you know, at a thousand <laughs> yards, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you're really wanting to brag to your buddies, stick paint cans or something like that yep. out there and then start shooting smaller shit. And then, mm-hmm. Not that's, not take it out on some critter that well, might just run off you can't ever find. Right. That's kind of where I'm at with, with hunting. Say, you say, yeah, I shot it at, you know, yeah, if you're rifle hunting, yeah, yeah I fucking dropped him at, or I, I shot him at, you know, yeah, 894 yards. Like, 
mm-hmm. cool, dude. But like hunting is so much different than target shooting because like target. If someone told me like, yeah, man, I went and you know I I shot you know eight out of ten rounds at you know eleven hundred yards, like dude, fuck yeah, it's awesome, mm-hmm. hell yeah, good good shooting, that's great. Yep. And then you, but when it's hunting, it's like. I'm more impressed, and that's where the bow hunting comes in, where it's like, I'm more impressed if you go out there during rifle season, which is, you know, and you get closer to the animal and take and take a good, awesome shot at a closer range. It's like, I don't know. I'm more impressed with that because that, yeah. that brings but, up more of your hunting skill set rather than your shooting skill set. Bow hunting impresses me more than rifle yeah. in any day of the week, don't matter yeah. what your range. If but, you're bow hunting, you're pretty up close and personal. Yeah, it takes a lot more movement yeah. a lot more things to go right for it to happen yeah. but you know a lot of times you when you're bow hunting you're hunting these animals that they're most vulnerable like uh where like um i guess just mentally like generally during the rut bucks yeah. make more, but, um, yeah make worse decisions but you're also bow hunting so like, you need mm-hmm. that little extra yeah, i shouldn't say you need it because there's a lot of guys that get it done in late season which is fucking hard but yeah. it's like yeah you're shooting another most vulnerable but it's also bow hunting it's like all these other different things but then if you go rifle hunting it, it's just so different it's hard to say but it is more impressive if you the closer you get to an animal and kill it the more impressive it is no matter what you're shooting mm-hmm. whether it's bow or gun or but- rifle or crossbow the irony of the fact that I really don't rifle hunt, and yet I'm voicing my opinions on those that do is not lost on me, by the way. So, <laughs> it, it, no matter what it is, yeah. though, it kind of comes down to, like, in in a hunting situation, for me, it's that my decision should be made on what is the best for the animal, not what's going to make the best story for me. Mm-hmm. It's I deserve it to the animal to do what's best for them okay so i'm glad you said that I don't know. and that applies to yeah that applies to archery whatever it is right yeah. like i'm i'm really glad you said that Darren, because best for the animal yeah That's a lot of people um have that argument you know because mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot of gun hunters out in the country you know there's a lot yeah. more gun hunters than our bow hunters that's why tags are easier to draw for bow season than it is rifle season but with that said, a lot of rifle hunters, like bow hunters, like to trash on gun hunters and say, like, "Oh yeah, you shot with a gun." <laughs> blah, 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 blah. It's like, okay, cool. And then, um, but like that same thing where gun hunters look by and say, "Okay, you're shooting an animal with an inherently less effective weapon yeah. for bragging rights." Fuck you. You know, it's like okay, you know, it's a double edged sword. That's why I always, yeah, I, I try to take the stance of let people do what they want. Mm-hmm. As long as within the confines of the law. Yep. So if, if they it, feel ethical doing it, that's their hey, decision. That's your decision. Yep. As long as it's within the confines of the law, I'm not going to trash you on it. I might have my opinions in my head. I might, might, I might say some shit because I think it's funny. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's like, dude, I don't like to trash people because it's like, what if, if I go there and hunt someone with a gun, then I get shit from a bow hunter for hunting with a gun. But then a gun hunter looks at a bow hunter and is like, oh, yeah, how many animals did you wound this year? You know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's like that. It goes all these different ways. That's why it's like, just try it. Like we said in the beginning, it's like, just try to be nice. Yeah, just be friendly. <laughs> just and be, I know a lot of bow hunters that shoot yeah. the rifle. They follow up season with rifle season, you know? Yeah. So they're just out there getting as many deer as they can. Yeah. I'm just, if you want to describe me, um, I'm, I don't like to be put in a, I don't like to put myself in a box. So I just say like, I'm a hunter and a shooter. Mm-hmm. Like when it comes to that, like outdoor activities, I'm not a hiker. I'm not a backpacker. 
Like, that's not something that trips my trigger. I'll hike and backpack in order to kill an elk. Yeah. But I'm not going to hike and backpack just to hike and backpack. And, <laughs> like, when I get out there and see God's country, I'm like, yeah, this is beautiful. This is great. But I wouldn't do that if I didn't have a gun in my hand and a tag mm-hmm. in my pocket. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's the sport that you're after. Yeah. Like, I'm just a hunter. I'm a hunter and a shooter. I like to shoot. I like to shoot shit no matter what it is. Yeah, it's just the way it is. That's it. That's who I am, I guess. But that's kind of the same way with me. Yeah. And they're pretty darn tasty, so that they doesn't are. hurt. They are tasty. They are tasty. And they say you can't eat the horns, but they are cool to look at. <laughs> so that is true. <laughs> I, I, it yep. makes setting setting in my uh, basement office a lot less boring when you're looking at deer heads on the walls. So. Sure does. Sure does. <laughs> no, that. That is, uh, again, not to go completely off topic and realize this isn't necessarily a hunting thing, but um, the antlers and the heads and stuff, to me, it's like, it's it's not a, a trophy, but it's a reminder that this was a real thing. This was a living, breathing animal, right? And that was on me. That was my responsibility. My actions accounted for what happened here. and helps you remember there's some seriousness to it right it's not all it's not it's fun um but there's some heavy parts to it too so oh for sure it's a reminder for me yeah i mean you're taking something's life and it's like the way i look at it's like yeah you know we were put on this earth to be stewards of the land that's why Mm -hmm. humans are the way we are so we were meant to be stewards of the land you look at any other animal in the animal kingdom they don't have the brain the meant the mental fortitude that we have to be like we're taking too much from the land we need to stop yeah no other animal does that no wolves lions bears no oh my they don't do that yeah they just they have no (laughs) regard they don't say i've killed enough elk this year i probably shouldn't kill another one Mm -hmm. because there's an elk there they're gonna fucking kill it or a deer there or something like they're they all they know is like i need to kill to eat and to survive i need to keep doing this as much as possible yep humans completely different where we say "Ooh, we've taken enough we don't you need to back off and let the population of these animals rebuild before mm-hmm. we take more and it's like man um so if you're not doing that then i just don't think you're being a proper steward of the earth either you know yeah you don't really no under- kind of conservation kind of thing yeah yeah you don't really understand if you're not at least attempting to understand what it is like you know, in, prim- in primitive times, there's hunters and gatherers, and like obviously the, the people that didn't understand the hunting aspect, they they were just gatherers. That's mm-hmm. fine, nothing wrong with that. But they also <laughs> the gatherers also understood the hunters and vice versa. Like they worked together, yeah, and they used each yeah. other's skill sets to keep going and yeah. to help everybody out. Yeah, but still, the gatherers still understood. Like, yeah, they're killing something, but then they're sharing it, and we're all surviving off of it. So they and understood also protecting us. Yeah, they understood, <laughs> and they respected each other and their skill sets like you just don't really have that in today's realm because everything's so comfortable like you're you know i turn the heat on my house when it's winter and i'm comfortable on a t-shirt yeah you don't have to gather wood you don't have to gather shit yeah. you know you just everything's so much easier so it's a lot easier to sit back and think like can you believe there's people out there right now they're just killing animals <laughs> for fun savages for their own just their own pleasure mm-hmm. it, okay yes like we said it is fun it is something I enjoy doing, but it's also, I enjoy doing it because it helps me kind of reconnect yep. to the reality of yep. life. 
that's I like watching yeah, the meat eater. Absolutely. You know, you know, he's yeah. real spiritual with the animals, and that's one thing I kind of appreciate watching about. Yeah, he's very he's a very good spokesman. Very for, for the hunting community. Steve Rinell is yep very good spokesman for the hunting community. I'll never be that way. I'm too a little too brash. <laughs> yeah, he kind of he, he can be real mellow, but still get the point of go out, you know, out there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He didn't spend any time in the army, so he, he's untainted. So God bless him. I got tainted at a young age. Yeah. <laughs> got, I was at the age of seventeen, and I was going to get going up, like looking at a full grown man has been to war multiple times, saying that I'm a, a fat fucking pussy. So it's like okay. I guess that's what I am. Yeah. Well, then you grow up, you you become a little bit less fat and a little bit less pussified. You're like, oh yeah, all right. Now I'm just hardened a little bit. So I say things, and some people are like, what? What the fuck? Why did you say that? I'm like, yeah. I don't know, man. Grew up in a harder. I world. don't know, man. Not even the harder world. It's just uh, it's just sometimes you just say things that you don't think about because <laughs> it's this is the life he was. Well, it's, it's an old bullshit <laughs> environment, you know. Yeah. We didn't think about each other's feelings there. It's so fun, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Um, I don't know how much time you got left, Aaron, but we're going on two hours. Um, so well, I, don't I want... usually go to work at, like, 7 in the morning, but... Uh... <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> no, <laughs> no I'm good. Well, I go to the gym at 4, so... No. That is oh. not... That is a true story. Uh, I do wake up at 4 to go to the gym. Doesn't the gym open at... Oh, oh it's 5. It opens at 5, but... I... I'm one of those guys where if I set my alarm for 4.30 and, you know, do my morning routine, a lot of, sometimes it's just, a, I like to wake up plenty early so I can have plenty of time to like get yep. motivated. Cause I'm not, I'm not a very, I'm not very, I'm not a very good self-motivated person. So <laughs> I need to get plenty of time to like psych myself up and like, yeah, let's go fucking work out and do squats and deadlifts and shit. <laughs> so I'm the opposite. Like I, I can wake up. You give me three fifteen in the morning, seven o'clock. It don't matter. And I'm like, eh, fifteen minutes. That's actually more than enough time. So if I'm, I'm supposed to be up at three two forty five. My alarm is fly out of bed, pack my shit, and I'm in the truck. Sometimes I'm like, I forgot to put underwear on. But I'm here on time. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not like that. I need to have plenty of time to like just get ready to get psyched up. Yeah, see, if I don't, like, so? <laughs> surprise myself with the psych, I start dicking off and just going off in space other ways. Because I'm like, God, it's so early. I'd just rather be, like, up and focus. Yeah. Well, good job. You get more sleep than awesome. I do. I'm proud of you, Landon. I don't know if I get much more sleep, man. Yeah, well, either way. But, all right. Hey, you know what, guys? I appreciate you both coming on. This has been a fucking blast. And oh, yeah. definitely need to do it again sometimes. Yeah. It's been a really good conversation. I... Hope people listen, um, you know, get something from it. And if they don't, then I guess just tell me I'm a fucking loser. Well, <laughs> you know, so I don't know. No, but. if they don't get anything from us, then message us and we'll uh, we'll get them out shooting, you know. Yeah. Yeah, That's come to one of the local ranges. You know, you know. So, uh, yeah. Landon, you got any closing statements? Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening and uh, supporting Jacob's podcast. And, yeah, if anybody ever wants to go to the range or any advice, you know, contact me, contact Darren, or even Jacob. I'd be happy to take anybody out. Hell, yeah. Yep. Darren? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, well, thanks for uh, having me on here, and nice to meet and talk to both of you guys. And, again, the same offer applies. If anybody ever has any questions about, you know, getting involved in a competition or just, you know, gun stuff in general, I am open to anything. 
and uh, you know, do the best you can. Get your friends, your neighbors, your relatives, whatever, and get them out outside. Get them shooting. Get them hunting. Whatever. Show them. Uh, show them how awesome this is. We live in the best country in the entire world. Let's uh, let's show people why. So. Hell yeah, brother. Um, yeah, I guess for me, um, we do have some stuff coming up. Uh, working class boner. We have a bunch of trade shows coming up. Um, if anyone's, yeah, I think by the time this drops, well, Indiana might have already been done, but I'll be at Indiana. I'll be in Iowa and I'll be in, uh, Wisconsin. Um, the other working class guys, they're, 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 it's out there on Instagram and whatever else. So follow, you know, follow working class bow hunter, uh, CC hunt files, Clint Casper. He's got a fucking great podcast going on too. Um, Anyone just kind of, I guess, if you're listening, just go ahead and check us out on, I don't know, any social media type deal. I have an Instagram and a Facebook, and just check us out and keep up to date, and come out to the shows and say hi, and yeah, get out, like everyone else said here, get out shooting, get outside, do something else other than sit in front of the fucking TV, I guess. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I appreciate it, guys. Yep. Sounds good. Hey, thank you much. Yep, thank you.